I just saw Sega tweet, pro tip, if you want to make an inquiry about jobs over Twitter, make sure your avatar of that company's characters isn't very, very Rule 34. (laughs) (laughs) I now want to look at Sega's mentions. What's Rule 34? Oh, God, no. Right, I'm going to open up a, uh, uh, what's it called? An incognito tab. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go to Google. <laughs> right. Because he does not want this in his search history. Right. Now I'm going to type in the word rule 34. Right. That's rule three. Right. And I want you. Huh. I realize it's literally just come up with the, the, uh, the autofill things. It says rule 34 criminal procedure rules. Rule 34 mental health, rule 34 urban decay, rule 34 definition Wikipedia. That's not as hilarious as R- Rule 34 urban decay. That now, sounds terrifying. Give me a thing, like a show or a vague concept. Just give, give me a, a, a noun. Sonic. Also, not a show. Or a, a show is a proper noun. Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog. Okay, right. Sonic the Hedgehog. Has, yeah, fair enough. Oh, I forgot I didn't set its images. Well, that's remarkably SFW. Do you right. have your safe search on? I, I is it I just think Sonic so. being a bit rude? No, basically it's just rule 34 is, is porn. Rule 34 of the internet is if it exists, there is porn of it. Oh, I see. Yeah, there's plenty of Sonic porn. And welcome to World One Stage One. I am Simon, and joining me as ever are Jack, yeah, and Rob. Salutations. And not joining us as ever is Irish because he's old. Well, slightly older as of today. Yes, it is his birthday. Happy birthday, Irish! What's Happy birthday, Irish! He's like I don't know what it is. In, he's four hundred now. That's isn't in he? Irish years, but I don't know what it is in human years. Eight. Why do I keep antagonizing <laughs> the Irish? Like, <laughs> of all, you know, you know, from I'm anywhere. I'm so sorry. Oh, like, my goodness. It was, was a cheap shot, and I should not have done it, and I apologize. Happy birthday again. <laughs> Happy birthday, <laughs> Happy man. birthday, Irish. <laughs> so, yes, I will be acting as ringmaster for this show, but before we begin the fight... Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Uh, and that's actually quite a good segue into what you wanted to talk about, Jack. I was going to oh, say yeah, something else, but you go. I went to see a film yesterday. Go on. It's really good. What is it called? It's called Creed. What is it about? It's about Creed. No, it's not. It's about Adonis Johnson, who is Adonis Creed. Have anyone here seen the Rocky films? I have seen the Rocky films. I have also I've seen-, seen the Rocky films. So, All of them, so, apart from this one. So you know how Rocky Four is the greatest film ever made? It's yeah, right. It, it probably not anymore. It, it's up there. Not anymore. I know how Rocky Four is certainly a film that was made. Yes, and it is one of my favourite films of all time. But it is now not my favourite film in the Rocky franchise. Um, I, I, I think we should do an episode. We should all go see it and then do an episode on it because it's it's really 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 good. And I, I want do to do it in. To. I want to also do it as a sort of um, thank you very much, Mister Alex, with the tea. 
Uh, I want to do it in a um, uh, drawing parallels to the episode we're doing today, because as I as I've said, it's a really really good film that is uh, not quite rebooting a franchise. It, it it is a long time in coming sequel. It's harnessing a, a, yeah. the, the 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 law the franchise makes plenty of nods back and and references and and uh, homages to its original subject material without just mindlessly going through the motions and just doing the same thing. But we'll get onto that in a moment. Um, shots fired. Shots fired indeed, absolutely. With a silencer under the cover of Creed. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I absolutely, like, you know how we were talking about how people have this idea that I hate films? And yeah, then, just, uh, that's, just, and was, just happy films and popular films. And, and then I was, like, really surprised when my film list of the year, I liked more films than I didn't like. That's good. So you know how harsh a critic I am, though. Uh, yeah, well, I know you have... The, yeah, I guess. Creed, 10 out of 10. Excellent. Uh, to be honest, I'm not surprised. that From what I've seen, it looks, it looks astonishingly good. I think last year the only film I gave 10 out of 10 to was Mad Max. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. It's like Mad Max, Winter Soldier, and, and now Creed. Okay, fair enough. Of recent films. Yeah, that's a strong I, company. Yeah, yeah. I um, I, I've also, I also went to see uh, uh, a flick. You did. You left town. I left town because I was literally forced to leave town to see this film. Uh, that's not the reason I, I went. But whilst I was away, I did happen to go and see Quentin Tarantino's. Uh, <laughs> I love saying his name like that. I don't know why. That's, uh, yeah. this, no, it's, I'll tell you what it was. It was uh, I think it's a space joke or something. Oh, okay. But anyway, uh, I went to see The Hateful Eight. Um, the is most, not, it's not showing in Cheltenham. It's not showing in Cheltenham because there was a fight between Odeon and Cineworld. Bare knuckle. Um, just in an alley somewhere. For 118 uh, rounds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and... Um, the winner got canned food and the rights to show um, The Hateful Eight. Did you just, like, compare, like, multinational film organisations, cinema organisation scuffles to bum fights? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> that's essentially what it, I, I, I think. That's how I like to imagine it, anyway. Right. But Hateful Eight is the most accurately descriptive uh, term for any of Quentin Tarantino's movies. I think it's the most accurate title. Because so there are eight people and they are hateful. They are incredibly hateful. Wait, wait, is it we, we, we the audience supposed to hate them or they are full of hate? The thing is, you watch that film, and I, I won't go into too much depth because I'm aware it's only recently come out. I don't want to spoil it for people, uh, for you guys, because I think you guys should see it. Uh, uh, and for people listening, because obviously it'll be still quite early. Um, but it is, uh, one thing I will say is it is, it is incredibly difficult to uh, root for anyone in that film. Um, uh, it's, it's very enjoyable. It's also very, very long. Um, it's, uh, but in a, in a good way. Yeah. It, it, it's like a sweeping kind of, it's weird to say because it's a sweeping epic, but it predominantly takes place in one room. Um, and this is what's so fascinating about it because Quentin Tarantino made this huge kind of commitment throughout this film to film in 17mm. So he's got a really, really wide shot to work with. Okay. And the beginning of this film, it takes place in there on uh, like a six horse driven 
cart, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're going through um, Northern America, uh, where it's... I think I think I think they say they're in Alaska. I can't remember actually. Oh wow! So like very very north. Of yeah, North America. yeah. Like I, I can't, but it, it's a western. Um, uh, and the seventy millimeter shots are incredible because it's a sweeping landscape. But that's like ten percent of the film. Oh, like the rest of it is in this cabin. But what's really interesting about it is the uh, the fact that it is like what it's it's a play. You're watching a play in this film because when people aren't doing anything, they're still in shot. <laughs> you know, usually when there's this focus on, on people and there is still focus in this. Yeah. But you still like, for instance, you'll see Tim Roth with his hands in his pockets, just chilling out. Just being Tim Roth in the background. Yeah. If I listened to an interview with him on a, a different podcast and he had to keep, keep reminding himself that he couldn't just like just sit back, you know, because he knew he was out of shot, just delivering his lines. You were listening to other podcasts. There is one other that exists other than this one. Right, okay, fair enough. And it's shit. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But Tim Roth was having to remind himself, and other people were having to remind him as well, that, you know, you're you're actually still in shot. Um, It's a really good film. Um, It is as violent as other Quentin Tarantino films as well. And it's just, it's, it's a really good character piece and your empathy shifts from one person to the other quite, quite quickly. He's got lubed up empathy. You're basically, uh, I'd like you to imagine you standing in a circle of eight people. Okay. Uh, and that what and those eight people. Wait, 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 wait. Am I one of the eight people? No, no, no. You're, 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 you're watching them. So, uh, I'm standing in the middle of yeah, So you're essentially judging these people or, or trying to empathize with them in some way. Right. So you run to one, but then one of them does something awful. Yeah. Just awful. And then you go, oh, well, then this guy seems okay because, you know, this. Uh, and then you go to him and then, then he does something fucking dreadful. And then you see this woman and you go to the woman and the woman does something fucking, oh, so. <laughs> um, it's kind of like that. It's um, your empathy. I don't know ships. where I am with this movie. Yeah, it's, but I think that's the strength of it, really. Okay. It's, uh, but it's, it's I would very say, I would say I'll go and see it, but it's not showing in Cheltenham because all we have is Cineworld. Yeah, that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, and it's a shame. Um, but, so I won't uh, go and see it. I would go I and see it, but I don't have the three weeks to spare. <laughs> Um, is it quite long? It is long. It is long. Um, it has an intermission. Really? Yeah. Uh, not the one that I saw. Unfortunately, they had. They actually had. And uh, I mean, you gotta, you gotta like respect Tarantino for the fact that he's actively tried to get this uh, as uh, as many screenings of it actually on film as possible. Right. As I mean, in like, th- film reels, oh, old projectors. Yeah. Um, this film was actually shot using the same lens, the very same lenses that were, were, were used for uh, Ben-Hur. Huh. Very same. So it's kind of got that um, antique quality about it already. Um, and he's trying to get this sort of... mean like the Ben-Hur remix that's coming out this year? No, <laughs> I didn't know that that was a thing. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, and... Yeah, so he's, he's really trying to like push the experience of going to the cinema because... His argument is that these days you can go and watch exactly the same thing at home without having to be surrounded by people. You know, um, we're losing like the, um, you know, the, uh, the, 
experience. Experience, and we're losing the motivation to want to go out and see a film out there rather than just staying in our homes and watching it on demand and stuff. So he's actually trying to make it an experience. I don't know. I kind of like going to the cinema, but I suppose not everyone feels the same way as I do. It depends. Who you, like it depends. Like you, you, you get a lot of people on their phones these days. I've noticed. Yeah, which is a problem. Not really. I mean, what? Well, what in the cinema? Mm. Oh, yeah, that is a problem. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's great. It's great, and I, I don't. I won't say any more about it. But it's uh, no, it's 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 top top notch. It's Tiffany top. Yeah, it's a great film. I really liked it. Marvelous. Fair enough. Did you catch my my like mini? Uh, I was going to say eavesdropper. My my mini little. Uh, foreshadowing there of saying yeah but not everyone thinks the same way I do that's true not everyone likes the same things I like and vice versa absolutely yeah I, I 100% agree should we uh, should we start our crawl Simon let's begin the crawl we, we could although I mean it does feel uh, somewhat rushing it to not comment on the passing of a couple of legends recently Jesus, yeah, we have. I was thinking this, but I. Oh. We haven't had an episode since it. We haven't had an episode since it all happened. No, this is the first time we've been recording since we lost Bowie and Alan Rickman. Yeah. Uh, so, just to carry on the tradition of honouring the greats before we get into things, uh, I think we yes, do need you're to right, say. You're right. I, I did. Th- I, I did think of this as we were starting, but yeah, okay, let's do it. I mean, these are men whose bodies of work are both stellar and immortal in their way. Uh, and Bowie, more so than Rickman, profoundly personally affecting. Uh, it's actually interesting. It's something I realized uh, because of the slight age difference. Um, when I was young at school, like um, Bowie was perhaps the first person whose uh, differing sexuality was known and not um, almost part of the joke, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. It, it was it the first like respected the... figure who wasn't straight and ordinary that I became aware of in my life. And personally, as the weird kid, uh, he was the first person that, to me, made me feel okay about that in myself. And I think he did that for a lot of people, you know, people who were different. He championed that difference and creativity. And that makes him a phenomenally important person outside of the music, the acting and the art. He just championed being the weird kid. And that's okay. And then there is the music and the movies and the art. We, can, we absolutely can't step around that. <laughs> no. I mean, and, and working right up until, you know, until the last. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've not... It's weird, actually. I, I watched the music video for um, uh, Lazarus today. Yeah. I hadn't heard it. I hadn't, uh, I'll admit, I hadn't heard any of his, uh, the new stuff. Um, but yeah, even, even now, just... Uh, or up to up until recently now rather a pillar of quality all the time mm. the man did not dip it's just yeah it's i don't know there was that duet with mick jagger i don't remember that dancing in the street that's the one. Oh fuck <laughs> yes shit 
There was, there was oh, this. Jack, you had to do it, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, just, yeah. I mean, it was like 1981 or whatever, you know, they were allowed to be dips. That's true. We, we forget a lot of things that happen in the 80s. And it's, well, it's all personal taste, you know. Oh, I love that song. Absolutely. I'll admit, absolutely. I'm not keen on everything on Earthling. I thought that was a really interesting experiment, you know, mm. uh, David Bowie going drum and bass. Uh, yeah. There's some gems on that album still, even though it's probably his weakest one in my mind. But I haven't listened to Black Star yet. I've just literally not been able to bring myself to do it. It yeah. was tricky. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, it was, I was, it's still fucking impressive. And, I mean, I think it's always going to stick with me because I think largely the Bowie thing is always going to stick with me. It's either going to be Labyrinth. Of course. One of my favourite films growing up. I, I always go to, with, with, with my sort of memory, I always tend to go to Bowie as an actor rather than as a musician, hmm. which I know is a bit, obviously a bit stupid because of obviously where he started and all that, but it's just my personal sort of recollection and all that. It's, it instantly goes doesn't to seem silly at all. I mean, as a musician, he was an actor. Yeah. That's a, ah, that's a really good way of putting it. That's, uh, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. And the fact is, it's just going back to what Simon said as well, the fact that this guy, uh, he... He really extends more than just acting and music, isn't it? Like he's just this presence that you're yeah. aware of. It's it's like it is like art just basically just grew a pair of legs <laughs> and wandered around, put on some makeup. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I mean, there's labyrinths about, but also it. I think the one thing that's always going to stick with me is uh, the song uh, "I'm Afraid of Americans" mm. playing yes. on on the uh, on the the airplane. Um, music system as, as the, we were coming into a landing in New York and my first time going to the States. Oh, that's always going to stay with me. That's amazing. Probably a poor choice of song, admittedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not the best entry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's a really weird thing to think. Cause I mean, it, it, I mean, last year as well, at the very, very tail end of last year with Lemmy, you know, Lemmy at Lemmy 70, as well. Lemmy Bloody how? David Bowie, 69, you know, A69 cancer, um, Alan Rickman, A69 cancer. It's just like, you know, th- we're, we're at a stage now where like that, that is still young. It is. Of course it is. Yeah. This is what, I mean, they, they had so, they, they could have, there's so much more that they could have given by, but the fact is, and, and it's a, it was a very personal thing for me was the fact that, that struck a chord with me, and I thought to myself, it actually made me question what I'm doing with my life because of the fact that that those those guys, the amount that they achieved, and always at the peak, nothing. And this is is actually a, I, did, I did a post about this about after Alan Rickman passed um, mm. about the sort of. Um, I'll, I'll probably try and link it to somewhere else so we can read it because I can't remember all of it off the top of my head. But yeah, basically, yeah. talking about the fact that. I mean, Alan Rickman was older than us when we when he uh, auditioned when he to go to Rada started, to, yeah. to, to start learning drama. Absolutely, right. He was, I think, twenty eight. Twenty eight when he first did a play. Yeah, that was no, 20, 20, no twenty eight 20, when he first um, went to drama. Like went to auditioned. Drama. Yeah, he was in his thirties when he um, first did a play. He was Romeo and Juliet was his first on on stage play. That's right. Yeah. He was thirty six when he first appeared on TV. Mm. He was, I think, I think he was forty in his first film or thirty thirty nine. So like that in his first movie. Mm. And basically, I just I always look at Alan Rickman and just as the sort of the, the, the embodiment of it's not too late. Yeah. If there's that thing that you want to go and do, if there's that thing you feel you can do. But you, you're worried that oh, I should have made the right choice back at school or university or you know all this and the other. 
it isn't too late. Yeah, absolutely. You can go and do it. Mm. And if time doesn't sort of just pass you by, you might have opportunities along the way. You might miss those opportunities, but it is never too late to go and do what it is that you love. If you only, if you've, if you've only just discovered what you love in mm. life and you go, oh man, if I'd only I'd known this a couple of years ago or decades ago, even doesn't matter. Go and do it. And that's when you say like, you know, maybe realize what am I doing with my own life? Yeah. It's like, there's still, you know, there's no, still time for us. We're, I mean, all of us, all the, all the hosts here, we're all young guys. We, you know, we've got a whole fucking world ahead of us. And, and Alan, Alan Rickman really, for me, sort of personified that whole thing of just go out and do it. Yes. And also just the, the man's sheer just force of will. Yeah, oh yeah. Like that guy's energy. Like most of the, like you were saying, it is when he, um, started doing his film career mm. like the guy would go for a day shooting do an evening on stage then go home yeah. <laughs> do you know what i mean like this guy oh my god like i mean i've seen a lot of i've seen a lot of people um like there's there's a there's a, a whole generation of people that know alan rickman as severus Snape. yeah yeah and what what a performance. Like, I mean, I have problems with the Harry Potter films, but like, he is definitely not one of them. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, Alan Rickman uh, as Snape is wonderful, but I was thinking to myself, like, Alan Rickman, for me, has always been there. Like, Alan Rickman's bit, like David Bowie, has just been there the whole time, which, in my consciousness. Which is weird, because he only, his, his sort of t- um, screen career really only started very shortly before we were born. And very selective as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, Alan Rickman is um, the voice uh, Metatron in Dogma. Oh, he's, yes. Oh. He's, um, he's the sheriff of Nottingham in fucking Prince of Thieves. Alan Rickman single-handedly saves the worst Robin Hood film of all time and turns it into the best. Uh, he's, are you forgetting the Russell Crowe Robin Hood film? I am forgetting the Russell Crowe Robin Hood film. Yeah. Uh, maybe Menetites. Menetites. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> is fucking amazing. But, um, but, oh my God. Close the gate. <laughs> that guy. Kevin Smith uh, was giving a very, very emotional uh, tribute to Alan Rickman yeah. on the last Hollywood Babylon because oh, they became man. good friends after making Dogma. They did, yeah. And uh, he was telling a story about Alan and his professionalism, which is that the, the, the sort of harness the rig for the wings threw his back out really badly. Yeah. Because it was very heavy and very awkward. And so the next day they're shooting a scene and I I think it's the the Mexican restaurant scene. Yes. And Kevin's like, Alan, you're really badly hurt. Go home. You don't have to do this. And Alan's just like, Kevin, this is not a big budget movie. You can't afford to miss a day's shooting. I'm a professional. Do the scene. And just the moment action is called, he becomes this calm, affable presence that we all know as Alan Rickman acting for the whole take, and then just goes back to being in pain. And just pure professionalism, you would never know. You cannot see anything in that performance that suggests this is a man in agony. Mm. Wow. And there's that beautiful picture as well that um, Alan Rickman, uh, sorry, that Kevin Smith posted with Alan Rickman uh, and Alan Rickman's got his trousers down. Oh, and it's that scene where you re- realise the Metatron uh, lacks any genitalia yeah, whatsoever. Atomically corrects the mm-hmm. Kendall, yeah. Yeah, and he is holding a Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> a naked Kendall. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, 
basically, to all our listeners out there, yeah, who are presumably a lot of you are going to be the weird kid. <laughs> if, like, it's not it's not a stretch to say, is it? I don't think be, that's unfair at all. Being the weird kid is not a bad thing. It's Absolutely, great. Yeah, you might be grown up now, but you might still be the weird kid. Mm. But hey, to take this to basically just say, you've got that thing that you love, that you love to do, that you love to take part in, whatever. Love it for all it's worth. Go do it and fucking live. Yeah, if you're growing up as the weird kid, look to Bowie. Realize that you can achieve that kind of greatness. If you're wondering what to do with the next part of your life, look at Alan Rickman and okay. how he came into his career late. Great inspirations. I forget who was who said it, but there was a fantastic quote about Bowie, which was just basically saying, um, if you think of all the stuff that he managed to accomplish, now look at your own life. Look at, mm. look at where you can go. And just remember, you get to listen to David Bowie and you get to take inspiration from David Bowie. You are already one step ahead of David <laughs> Bowie. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's true. It's true. And I would recommend, uh, I think it's probably fair to say a lot of people have not seen The Man Who Fell to Earth, which oh. is a 70s science fiction starring mm. David Bowie. Beautiful. And if you've seen or heard of like modern sort of art house sci-fi, like Under the Skin, uh, oh, it owes yeah. everything to Bowie. Mm. Go and check it out. Go and check out The Hunger. Oh, as God, well. yes. The Hunger. I'd completely forgotten. Uh, listen to Bowie. Absolutely. His music is amazing, but watch him too. He's a stellar actor. Absolutely. There was, there was nothing that man could not turn his hand to and just turn it to gold. And then for a laugh at the end, watch Hans Gruber fall out of a building. Yes. Yeah. And watch Galaxy Quest. And then watch oh, Galaxy God. Quest. <laughs> Yes. Um, oh man. And and uh, go play Omicron Nomad Soul, mm. which it's free is currently free. It won't be by the time you listen to this. But uh, Square Enix are giving it away in uh, tribute to Bowie because he stars in it. Oh wow! And does the music as well? I believe he does. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh yeah, he turned his hand to video games as well. Of course he did. And internet service providers. <laughs> what? Hey, what? Absolutely true. David Bowie ran an ISP called BowieNet. What the fuck? Uh, right. This is another area in which Bowie is a fucking genius. There is an interview with him from, oh, the mid-2000s? Like, oh, when he, like, te- he tells the future? Yeah. yeah. He, he just does. I mean, it wasn't accurate in every sense, but basically, in the early to mid-2000s, he said, Music is going to be commoditized. It's going to become a utility like, like your electricity or your water. You're just going to pay and you're going to get music. So artists had better get used to going on tour because that's how you're going to make money. Copyright just isn't going to exist. It's not going to be a thing. It's unworkable. Um, which he was damn near close. Yeah. Uh, copyright still exists, but it is unworkable. It is. No, no one gives a shit. <laughs> they may try, damn it. You can step around it. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, he basically was talking about Spotify. He was talking about Apple Music and Pandora. He was talking about streaming music as it exists. Hmm. And he put his money where his mouth is and set up BowieNet, uh, which was a dial-up ISP provider, much like any of the sort of um, brand-name resellings of dial-up internet you could get. Hmm. Except if you were signed up with BowieNet, it also included access to uh, download all of his music. Huh. Because 
music was just going to be commoditized. So he started it and was like, yeah, come use BowieNet. Listen to my stuff. Also, access special web, uh, web pages only available on BowieNet that were <laughs> online galleries of his art. <laughs> That's really cool. So it was a bespoke internet service provider for fans of David Bowie. The man was a mad genius. And, and like, like I said, if art grew legs and walked around, it would look a lot like David Bowie. Yeah, it would. And, yeah. On a darker note, I've also been playing The Witcher. Well, The Witcher 2. Oh, oh I still okay. haven't played The Witcher 2. I've played Witcher 1. That is a game that hates players. <laughs> Witcher 1 or Witcher 2? Witcher 2. Uh, okay. See, I'm interested now because uh, um, I, I have played Witcher, Witcher Two, but I've played it. I played it on console. I'm guessing you're playing on PC. I am indeed. Okay, so thoughts? Well, I'm only about an hour and a half in. A little bit more okay. than that. I haven't quite finished the prologue, but I'm okay. already furious. <laughs> okay, get on. Because quite early on in the prologue, very early on, it's one of the first things it asked me to do. Is it's uh, now I've got to go and find this secret tunnel into the castle. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Off yeah. I go. Yeah. And I drop into the well, and it says, you're in a dark place. You should drink a cat eye potion. Uh-huh. Like, okay. You haven't given me any information about how to do that, but sure, let's find out. Yeah. So I'd already worked out vaguely where the inventory was. That was okay. So I popped up the inventory. Ah, yes, potions. Cat eye potion. Awesome. Double click. You can't drink a potion from the inventory. <laughs> of course You've not. You've got Simon. to be meditating. And I'm like, oh, that's... That's useful information. Oh no, you, you have to you have to be meditating to, to make the potion. Oh no no, hear me out. <laughs> okay, this is you have to be meditating, and I'm like, that's again. You've told me what I need to do, but not how to accomplish it. Awesome. Okay. So I close the inventory, and I'm like, well, I know what W A S and D do. I press E. Oh oh, that's block. That's that's going to be good to know. Uh huh. I press Q and I fire off some magical blast. I'm like, oh, that's probably going to be useful to know as well. Oh. Then in sequence, I press every fucking key on the keyboard. Because it hasn't told me how to meditate in any way. Okay. Until I press control. And this, this screen appears that says, meditate. I'm like, ah, ah, I found it. <laughs> so I'm looking at the screen and what I see is down the left-hand side, there's an arc of circles that are filled in with what look like runes, each of which has a short sort of one or two syllable word in some fantasy name like Kin and Ajiha and Ard and Igni. And I don't know what any of these things are. It doesn't yeah. tell me what they are. It doesn't tell me what the difference between them is. I just, I see that I can select them. Awesome. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to do anything apart from there's a little circle in the bottom left and it changes which one is in there. Yeah. I've since found out that's the magical thing you do when you press Q, but I still yes. couldn't tell you what any of them fucking do. Uh-huh. Oh, I can tell you. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like this is like they basically made Witcher 2 as a direct follow-on to Witcher 1 and decided to go like, no one's going to go into Witcher 2 having not played Witcher 1 in the last like couple of days. Yeah, we don't need to onboard new players into this game at all. Yeah. And the top of the screen has an option to select a long sword, and the bottom of the screen has an option to select the Witcher's silver sword, Mm-hmm. And on the right is another arc of circles that are empty. None of this is labelled. And I'm like, there are no potions here. <laughs> so I'm looking at this screen going, what the fuck? And I'm sort of selecting these signs, as I found out they're called. And I'm switching between swords and I'm going, this is not potions. So I come out of that thinking I'm in the wrong place. And I go through the rest of the keyboard again. I find the journal. I find the map, which is blank. <laughs> 
There is nothing on the map. Uh, That's yeah. <laughs> the least useful thing in the world. Thanks, guys. You have a piece of paper, <laughs> more accurately. It's basically a bit of parchment that says yeah. map on it. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. That's yeah. great. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so eventually I come back to this screen after genuinely going to a friend of mine who plays The Witcher and saying, how the fuck do I drink a potion? And he's like, I don't know, it's been two years. I'll remember it eventually. And it had to resort to me streaming my video to him so he could look at the screen and go, ah, ah, you click in the middle of the wheel. That's a button? And apparently the middle of the wheel is a button that actually takes you from the screen that says meditate to the screen where you are meditating. The the rest of that was not the meditate screen, despite being labelled meditate. So now I'm in meditation, and there is an option to craft potions, as Rob says. There is also an option to drink a potion. Mm-hmm. So I click on that, and there are my potions, just like they were in the inventory. Same icons, same presentation, same everything. And I double-click on them, and nothing happens. Nothing at all. Not even a little message saying, you can't drink a potion here. Nothing has happened. So I'm like, okay, let's look at the screen, take it in. And on the right-hand side of this screen, there is a triangle with a circle at each point of the triangle. It's not labelled. By the way, it's nothing to say what that is. <laughs> and in the bottom right, there is a thing saying escape to exit or click here or press enter to drink potion. And I click it and it's disabled. Can't do that. Okay. So I drag the potion into the triangle, which fills up one of the lines partway with a little meter and enables the drink potion button. And finally, I accomplished my goal. I drank a potion. <laughs> This game fucking hates players. Um, so you know, the map is how rewarded did you feel then after that? Though? I was furious. <laughs> <laughs> furious, but accomplished. Absolutely. And then the cat eye potion, which I was assured would just help me see in the oh, dark, yeah. turned the entire world silver. Yeah. Apart from people who became glowing red people outlines with visible nervous systems. Yeah. Well, that is not how cats see the world. <laughs> that is a badly named potion. Give them a break. It's like the 8th century. How do they fucking know how cats eyes work? <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, Simon, like, that was one thing I was always, I always thought, because I know I have recommended all of you guys to play the Witcher games, because I really enjoy them. I've got the Witcher, I've got both Witcher games, actually. See, the Witcher one, the Witcher one. That is not the end of my complaints by any means. Okay. That was just the first one. I was going to say, the menus, I, I completely agree with you. The menus are, are silly. They are really silly. Uh, I, uh, other elements of that game uh, redeem it for me, but do go on. Well, then there's the dialogue, which is awful. <laughs> like, all of it. I mean, the writing is horrible and not delivered well. The voice acting isn't good either, but that's a kind of, it's a small studio it's, English isn't their first language. I'm kind of going, eh, okay, that's one of those things you have to live with. But it does that thing where the thing you click on has no relation to what you say, like in the new Fallout. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, the very first option I have, I'm, I'm a prisoner and I've got my hands cuffed and a guy walks in and offers me his hand to shake. And the dialogue options I have are, I would shake your hand if I could and very funny. So thinking, I'm, I'm a jocular kind of guy, I'd go with very funny. And Geralt just looks at him and goes, fuck you. That, was not the emotional tone I had anticipated from very funny. That's... So 
that was an interesting start to the dialogue system and the uh, the lucky dip formula of the dialogue. <laughs> Geralt's an unpredictable guy, man. You know, he is on the edge. And he's my character, and it's lovely to feel I have no real direct influence over how he's going to approach the world. Uh, that's me, that's really comforting. Than you, Simon. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Promise. Here's the other thing: the word "fuck" does seem to be shoehorned into every sentence, like especially where it doesn't belong. Every and, sentence, and it doesn't get used when they actually mean fucking. At which point they say plowing. Yeah, they do. They say plowing, don't they? Bless. So them. they they will remind you at every opportunity the word fuck exists, but use it in every context except the one that they mean sex. Do they, yeah. use, do they use it to mean strike? No, it's like, what the fuck do we want? What the fuck oh. do you want? What the fuck is happening? Oh, we're ploughed. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- thanks, that's... Maybe that's just the way that world works in its linguistic format. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe it is. It's trying and, to be very clever. I mean, in a stupid way, but trying to be very clever with it. Like, then, Possibly. And then I met Triss Marigold for the first time, who I am told is a great character. She is. Who I'm told is a well-rounded character and, and has a very, you know, strong, she's a, the equal to Geralt in every way. But the, the thing is, I first met her in the middle of a combat zone. And we're having a fight. Well, we're not. It's a lull between fights. But we're still very much the, the weary stress of battle. And Geralt delivers a line and turns to her, the camera pans to her, whereupon she immediately puts her hands on her hips, arches about, sticks her tits out, poses like a porn cover model, and just starts delivering her dialogue. And I'm like, that was unnecessary. That seems to serve the same purpose as giving me the word fuck to play with every five minutes. So you're just trying to say, look, we're an adult game. Look at the confident, sexy way she stands while doing her dialogue. And I'm like, stop that. It's really disconcerting. Okay, but how often did she say fuck? That's what I want to know. Oh, a few times. In oh, fact, she ended that sentence by suggesting we go and fuck instead of have a fight. Um, wait, wait, did she suggest you go and plough? Oh, go and no, fuck? she may... Well, she said let's go to bed, but oh. uh, presumably to plough. Trish doesn't say plough. <laughs> I'm so confused! <laughs> and What do they mean when they're actually ploughing the fields? Fucking the fields. Presumably they're going to fuck the fields, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Because that would be a use of the word that isn't actually about sex. You shag the field, or you, you have, a, or, or field. You have a shagman's lunch uh, <laughs> uh, sandwich. <laughs> I'm trying. To, I'm trying to work with what I've got here. Yeah, it's this man. fucking ring a ring of roses, a stupid ass word. And then, of course, it's full of quick time events and rapidly mash a button to turn a wheel and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. just the whole game is grating on me. And the worst part of it is, Geralt is a dick. Like, he is, he is literally the colourfully-eyed, magical man with the gruff voice and the dark past. And I'm like, you are a shitheel. You are just the worst kind of cliché, ooh, manly man protagonist. And I don't like you. You are not an easy into this game. He seemed a little bit more likeable. Because, I mean, like I said, I've He's, only played the first, say, couple of hours of Witcher 1. He seemed a bit more likeable in that. Hmm. Like, he didn't seem quite as gruff and... There is, a, there, is a, there is a weird turnaround, because you're right, in Witcher 1, he's a different character, and in, in Witcher 2, he goes, I admit, Simon, he is very much like that in 2. In 3, not so much. And 3, they have some pretty good dialogue. I think, I think they had, it, well, basically, Witcher 3 feels like a different game to the other. It, it's, it's, the, it's the high budget version. Yes, and yeah. uh, I, I, I think... I think it is the best, personally. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, 
I, I, I well, I would hope it was better than Witcher 2. <laughs> my experience so far has been really, really poor. My friend oh. Mark is encouraging me, you know, just judge it, give it at least to the end of Act 1 before you form any lasting opinions. Yeah, yeah. That but was, yeah. the prologue has left me with a vile taste in my mouth, I have to say. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not enjoying this so far. Well, well Simon, you know how you start that with, on a darker note, and like, because you were literally in a cave? Mm-hmm. On a darker note, I've been playing a new game recently. Have you indeed? Yeah, Undertale. How are you finding it? I, it's on a darker note, emotionally speaking. <laughs> um, so I met Toriel, and then I tried to leave, and then things happened. Things do tend to happen. And then, and then I sat back for a bit. And then I uninstalled the game. And now I've reinstalled the game so I can try again. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what happened? Things, things happened. I, Jesus, up, I, can't, I can't even begin to work out what you encountered that early in the game that made you I, uninstall. I, I fucked up bad. Like, oh, I had to... I, oh, I needed to recover spiritually, mentally, emotionally... Wow, I mean, I'm just waiting till you get to the end because Undertale is one of those games that's uh, it starts off light. Yeah, I, I before I got out in uh, out of the well, it was out of the ruins into Toriel's house. Yep. Then, then uh, there was a fight. There was a boss fight. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, you, oh yeah, yeah. Things happened, and then I needed oh, shit. Then I needed a milkshake and a hug. Uh, so don't have that boss in. fight. It's optional. I know. That's what I found out <laughs> after I won. Wow. Oh my god. Okay, you're having a different experience to me, which is good. Yeah. Um, you're I having a much more soul crushing experience. One. That'll happen a lot, actually. Right. This is Undertale. I'll tell you this. They're all optional. <laughs> it has a completely pacifist playthrough. I know. I was trying to do that. <laughs> I didn't know she. I didn't know that was going to happen. She was taking one damage from each hit. Why oh. did she take five hundred on that last hit? I don't understand. Oh, you don't have to hit emotions. anything. You don't have to hit anything in the entire game. But like, she wasn't responding to my talking. Put it this way: I didn't even fight the combat dummy. What combat dummy? Oh, have you not got there yet? I don't know. Oh no, I suppose, yeah, that is after you leave the house. Yeah, but there is a combat dummy, a dummy so you can practice hitting things. I didn't even hit that. Oh. Uh, you don't have to hit anything. Don't, don't, especially don't hit Toriel. This is the thing that I left when I met Sans and Papyrus, and they seemed pretty cool, but then I had to cry. So I just uninstalled it, and I'm going to start again from the beginning, and I'm going to be nice to everyone. And I will also say, in case you decide to go for a mixed playthrough. I'm not going to. She's not the only character who starts off taking very light damage and then takes unexpectedly heavy damage at the worst possible moment. I'm just not going to hit anyone ever don't, again. Except, don't. <laughs> except those fucking vegetables. <laughs> Fuck those guys. But yeah, it's, I, it's a hell of a game. Um, I do recommend going back to it, uh, but maybe restart. But do I remember. Have done. I've not restarted it yet, but I have reinstalled it, ready to go. My emotions are coming back. It's like. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if Sans remembers. Yeah, I shouldn't do because it's been completely like bleached from my hard drive. Oh, oh, you say that, but I, I know a reviewer who had to find special ways to 
remove files from registry and things to actually yeah. do a, a blank playthrough for a review. Yeah. It remembers. We'll see. I'm hoping. I'm hoping not. I like, I mean, to quote Always Sunny at the moment, like, just, I, I had an emotion. Like, do you remember emotions? Like, when you, <laughs> like back when you were like 14 years old, like emotions? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was before you really got into the world. Sans seems pretty cool. Holy shit. Sans is a cool I'm... guy. Yeah, and Papyrus. I like those guys. Pretty... Sans is both cool, chill guy yeah. and the second most horrifying character in the game. Oh, God damn it. I need to play more of it. <laughs> but I don't know if I can. I don't know if my soul can actually take it. And then the second most horrifying. As the second most horrifying, that means there is a most horrifying character in the game. Is and the most horrifying character in the game is. Kind of chill, really. Oh, shit. It's not Toriel, is it? No. She scared the shit out of me, admittedly. <laughs> she is kind of creepy. I will you give are her home. that. I want to go home, but I also don't want to make you sad. I don't uh, want to make you sad, weird lizard dog mom. I want to say a Toriel thing, but it's a huge spoiler, so I'll wait uh, to finish the game. I just want to hug her and tell her it's going to be okay. <laughs> and that she's Well, if, if you play through to the end, you might be able to. I want to Maybe. tell her she's doing a really good job. <laughs> so you you're into it i'm super into it i awesome. can't play it anymore oh <laughs> that's how into it i am <laughs> i'm so into it i don't ever want to touch it again <laughs> i had moments like that playing through it but brave them out because the ending I, is amazing it's like when i first completed a level on the path and i was like man that was amazing this is like <laughs> the best game ever made get it the fuck away from me it's like leaving district nine <laughs> yeah it's like going, man that movie was good i'm just gonna go and uh sit in my car with a nozzle <laughs> <laughs> you know it's that kind of a feeling but like in a good way <laughs> Anyway, speaking of the movies that want you to self harm in a less good way, yes. So, in the blue corner, fighting for the Force and all that is good in the Star Wars universe is Rob. Hi. And in the red corner, corrupted by the dark side and stripped of all happiness, is Jack. Yeah! Yeah! And we've all seen Star Wars. Yeah, we have. I just want to actually describe the conversation that we had before this podcast, Simon. Okay. Um, I think me, because I, I know you've now set the sort of um, uh, conceit for the episode to be uh, um, a fight. A fight. It's less a conceit and more an expectation, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. We're trying to keep it together. Um, we are, we're, we're going to be very, very respectful of each other's opinions. And like, no more so than usual. <laughs> right, okay, so we're just... Level, we're not actually going to hit each other, and we're not actually going to childishly <laughs> call each other names. That's <laughs> so okay, okay. And we're not okay. going to, like, say, you're wrong. We're going to be like, well... Oh, okay. <laughs> as in, like, we're not going to be like, you're wrong. We're going to be like, well, this is what I think. And it's like, it's an opinion-based thing. Yes. We're talking about a movie. Yes. It's an art and art. It's, it's a movie. Absolutely. It is entirely subjective. Can you see that? I call it art. Yes. It is. It is? It is. There we go. That is a fact. It is okay. a fact. It is. Everything else is going to be entirely subjective and opinion-based. So we can't say things like, you're wrong. We can say, okay. I differ in my opinion. <laughs> we actually laid the ground rules. We are. <laughs> just, 
Because I like <laughs> no touching of the face or hair. I like hanging out with you, bro, and I don't want to oh, lose man, that. Okay? Of course, we're not going to lose. Welcome that. We to the first ever it. episode of World One Stage One that has rules of engagement. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing below the belt. No belt. <laughs> No mention of the prequels. No mention of the prequels. Oh, fuck no, it no, out. We, can't, well. we can't not mention Exactly. The That's something we can both fall back on at least. Yeah, exactly. You know? We can both fall back and go, well, at least the prequels were better. Oh, fuck you! <laughs> I can't stop myself. I'm stopping myself. I'm stopping I never myself. agreed to these rules, so you're wrong. <laughs> Yay, Simon! <laughs> you're like the Eagles in a different franchise. <laughs> the Eagles oh, at the end of the Lord of the Rings. In what way? Because he comes in at the last minute and saves the day inexplicably. Are you, when are you Sam and Frodo in this regard? Let's not... Actually, no. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like going down that road. This metaphor is confusing. Let's leave... Yeah, it is. That was my fault. Yeah, wow. Whoa. Weird. Yeah. So, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... <laughs> I was going to say, this is, where, this is where you need to like play a clip of whatever was that, that episode where we were all talking about our expectations of the Star Wars film and me being the, oh, it's going to suck, I'm going to be here to soak up all the negativity guy. Well, that, that's an interesting... Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think I soaked up too much negativity. Mm, maybe. Maybe. I don't think it's going to be a spoiler to say I didn't like it because we already did our year in review episode. This is, this yeah. is, and, and the fact is, this is going to be a completely spoilery show. We, it's, oh, it's a month. Yes. It's uh, a month. We're going to talk about all of it. Um, it's been out for nearly a month now. Is it? Oh, and I it, thought it was and like. It, and we're not going to be those people who say, oh, if you cared about it, you'd have seen it by now because I hate those oh, yeah. people. Because yeah. for very real reasons, people haven't gone and seen it yet Absolutely. but what we are going to say is this podcast isn't going anywhere you know if you haven't seen it yet listen to this afterwards because yeah we're not going to hold back unless the internet dies in between like you going and seeing it and then coming back to listening to this episode in wake of the following battle yeah although um, if you heard me say that you've already just, downloaded it so just just, just look after off, the file yeah just go off somewhere um sign up for a bowie net account and yep. um <laughs> yeah Excellent. Okay, well, let's begin then. Uh, so, um, uh, I'm just going to say, like, when I saw this, um, uh, I saw this midnight showing. Are you oh, did I? Oh, just, just, just bring it down, like a, a notch or two. Oh, so, no, no, you're, you're doing. You're Jack's doing telling me to shut up already. No, 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 <laughs> bring it down a notch or two. No, no, just bring it down because you're projecting really well, but the microphone's like there. Am I too loud, Simon? Um, Skype is handling some of it, but you, you don't have to be. As forceful in your projection as you are. Okay, sorry. You, you no, can no, tone no, no, down no, no. the actor. How's this? Can you still hear him? Yes. Yes. Ooh. Like a smooth jazz radio host. <laughs> like liquid velvet oh. pouring into your cochlea. Well. Oh. 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 <laughs> anyway, SMR okay. for the World One Stage One listener. <laughs> This is smooth stage one. Smooth stage one. Uh, this is okay, what happens see, when I World saw... One Stage One tries very hard to stay calm. Oh, yes. it's <laughs> difficult. It is difficult. I'm having a great time. As am I. Um, so, uh, yeah, I saw this midnight showing as, as did you, Simon? Yep, I absolutely did. I did. Um, uh, like, really great atmosphere. Um, so I suppose that there's that element in there as Ooh, well, actually, yeah. that my first viewing, it was, it was electric. When, yeah, going when, to see the midnight showing, you are, by definition, in a room full of people who would all go to a midnight showing of a movie that was a complete unknown quantity. So, yeah, we were all invested, I think it's fair to say, in those auditoria. Yeah. 
I think the only and midnight showing I've went and saw was Dark Knight Returns. Sorry, Dark Knight Rises. Better than mine. I saw snakes on a plane. Oh. <laughs> well, and I, think, I think you win out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, bam, you know, bam, bam, bam Star Wars, the, the writing uh, is there and the crawl begins. Everyone cheered and it's died. Luke Skywalker has vanished. It's good. Let's start. So, um, opening shot. I really wondered how they were going to open this film. I was going to say, are we really going to do shot for shot? No, 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 no. But this is, this is something that I think... <laughs> the opening cool. matters, because yes, the opening, opening of Star Wars is a big tradition. Starfield, yeah. ship, pan to planet. Uh-huh. Now, um, I was really interested what they were going to do with this. Um, and because uh, it needs to, it needs to have some kind of impact. Um, and then that silhouette moves across the planet, the Star Destroyer, which is called. I will look it up later because I have my <laughs> handy dandy companion book with me today. Um, companion book, which is really cool, great stuff. Uh, but we'll talk about that maybe in part two. Um, Electric Boogaloo. But um, yeah, uh, this, this silhouette glides over the planet. And I thought immediately is a wonderful kind of symbol for the First Order. Because whereas the Empire, first time you see the Empire, they're just gunning it. They're loud and um, deliberate. The First Order stealthily slink into shot in the dead of night. And oh, the night of that world, because the night of that they're coming world, around, yeah. around the, the dark half of the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. And then the uh, the drop ships descend, and we see stormtroopers, and then it starts. And I'm not gonna lie, that initial shot of the stormtroopers with the lights flickering, yeah, and like, you just catch the occasional that was pretty cool, yeah, that and was it's very cool. It's it, and again, like it's back to that World War II kind of like vibe of uh, instead of like the dog fights this time, it's like a D Day landing, it's the troops in the ships, yeah, yeah. um, in the boats, and um, yeah, and they look great. And they look intimidating, which is not a thing I would have expected of Stormtroopers. Well, this is this is one of the things that I loved about this film was the fact that it made it it made the Stormtroopers like because this, because Stormtroopers are so ingrained in our in pop culture now. It's it's very very easy to see them as a joke. It's yeah. very easy to see them as guys that just miss all the time. And admittedly, they spent a lot of time in the original trilogy missing things or being mauled to death by small bears. Although there um, are wonderful, wonderful explanations for why they were missing. So there's all, uh, all happening according to the Emperor's wishes and all that. This is all as I have foreseen. Yes. But we all know that it's, like, it's, it's powered by plutonium. But what was missing, sorry? Hmm? Nothing no, was missing. The- why they were missing, why the stormtroopers missed in the original trilogy. There's plenty of explanation uh, that, you know, every time the good guys got away, there was a tracking device on them, or they then went and did something that the Emperor wanted them to do. Um, you know, it, basically, there is a whole fan theory about the Emperor ordering that they not be genuinely harmed. <laughs> because okay. he was bringing about the final conflict between Luke and Vader and. It's uh, it's quite an interesting read, actually. I might try and find the link and forward it to you. I'd love that. That sounds excellent. And yeah. um, I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, lots of uh, different theories. But I mean, but, we uh, admittedly all know that 
it's because the heroes are covered in plotting and armor. Of course. Oh, yeah, yeah obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, the heroes in this film have slightly different beginnings. For we then, you know, we then have a shot of the, the this uh, this little droid looking up at these ships that are descending. BB-8. BB-8. One, one of the things in this film I like. BB-8 is fantastic. Um, and it is just uh, just a, um, a complete demonstration of just how awesome some people who make something and then like throw their love into working out how they're going to puppeteer this thing, how they're going to make it, uh, you know, exude life when it's just an inanimate, inanimate object. Yeah. You know, it's it's great. And BB-8 is fantastic. And that's what I love as well. It wasn't. I mean, I assume there was some CGI used at certain points. Oh, of course, yes, there, there were obvious points where yeah. BB um, was CG, but wherever possible, and that is the watchword. It, much as in Fury Road, the watchword was wherever possible, we do it practically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, which is, you know, what I was kind of expecting, really. I'm not naive as to think that, uh, like, ev- everything in that film is... Uh, all the aliens, <laughs> all the spaceships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they actually went into space. Yeah, and, it's amazing. They actually went to Jakku. Yeah, they went to Jakku. Horrible. Yeah. You know, they actually started a massive long war so that yeah, they could they, actually have the debris lying around. Wait, are we, are we talking about, like, what's Wiggins or Apocalypse Now? I can't remember which one was... Which. <laughs> <laughs> um... But uh, yeah, so we see this droid and this droid. Oh, what is great, isn't he? I, 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 character. I think it's impressive that in all the run-up and all the the, the promotional stuff. I don't know if, if I, I'm assuming you weren't, and I know I know Troy was, but looking at BB-8 and all the, the all the marketing stuff and go, oh god, it's going to be the annoying little twee cute droid companion. It's going to be irritating as fuck. Well, what? No. Oh, go on. No, I, I just didn't have that reaction. Oh, okay. I I was. I had my enthusiasm tempered. I was like, I, I don't know how I'm going to react to this droid, um, mm. but he looks kind of cool, and I like the tech that's doing the puppet. So mm. if nothing else, that'll be awesome. Um, and I was delighted. Yeah, and and you know what? I love BB-8 as well. Yeah. I was I was expecting it to be the irritating droid companion, but no. so I, I mean, I think I the only gonna, thing for me going to be the Jar Jar. It's going to be the Jar Jar. <laughs> the only thing for me that that uh, and we'll get to this, I'm sure, because I, I think this is going to be one of the main contentions of discussing about Star Wars mm-hmm. is is um, is the fact that BB-8 was very much taking the, the taking the uh, the mantle of R2D2. Um, the which, asshole in the entire which film. Jack actually <laughs> whispered to me in the cinema whilst we were watching that made me go, oh, you, but not now, Star Wars is on. Yes. Um, <laughs> he knew he was safe. Um, <laughs> um, he wouldn't kill me with all these witnesses. Uh, and also I was watching Star Wars. Um, but um, no, that, that, was, that was, I was like, oh, okay, so th- there's going to be like, it wasn't a reservation or anything, but um, thinking about it, BB-8, in terms of filming, is a much more practical droid to have than R2-D2. Oh, yeah. Like the trouble they had with R2-D2, trying to get him to roll down a fucking Tunisian mountain. Without him going, well, ass, without him going ass over tea kettle. And fucking blending Kenny Baker, like, in the, <laughs> you know, as he tumbles over a cliff. Like, like, to be fair, it's Kenny Baker. He doesn't know what he's doing or where he is. At any time, anyway, so it's fine. That's true, unless he's focusing his hatred at Anthony Daniels. Yeah, he which, still doesn't you know, know what Star Wars is. Does he not? Have you not seen interviews with him? Which is like, it's a funny Wars name, is. isn't it? R2D2. He just starts going on about it. That's a funny name. I wonder what it is. And it's like, 
Because he's a player. Oh, he's a player. I, yeah, either that or just mad as a bag of ham. He's also quite mad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you got BBA, and uh, he he dashes to 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 inform uh, uh, his um, his pilot because he's an astromech droid on the approaching um, uh, first order forces yeah. and fucking. Another one of the things I like about this film. <laughs> we get him in early, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, like, Poe Dameron. Everything. <laughs> he goes and sees Poe Dameron, who is I talking... Really like, I really like the first sort of 15, 20 minutes of Force Awakens. Oh, my fucking God, because he's, he's talking to Vax von Sido, and he's fucking awesome. Did you call him Vax von Sido? Did I say that? Yeah, Vax. You did a little Vax. bit. Okay, well, I, that's his name now. Um, or Lord Santeca, to give him his character's name. Yes, Lord Santeca. But it's Max um, von Sido. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's given him something. He's given him um, allegedly something that will help, like the resistance um, in some way. The resistance we just hear about. Mm. Um, but yeah, he goes to, to, to Poe Dameron, who is um, sadly, I feel a little underused in this oh, yeah. film. Like we've got a whole trilogy to go. Yes. Yeah, of course. And and to be honest, they weren't going to give him something if it was needless. They weren't just going to chuck him in there if it wasn't uh, needed. Which I, 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 you know, it's fine, but like, I thought he was he an is, absolute he is joy. Supposed to, supposed to be like the best pilot in, in best in the resistance. Game. Yeah, in the whole resistance, yeah. yeah. And he has the, the, the title Black Leader as well, isn't he? Yeah. Like, oh, he, God, yes, it's got Red Leader, Gold Leader, it's yeah, Black Leader. because he, oh, man, that fucking X-Wing. Um, it's so cool. Um, I, I, I can't, I cannot in any way, shape or form criticise either Poe Dameron or Oscar Isaac. It's just fucking incredible. Mm. Like, it, when I start to, like, criticise bits of this film later on, I can't say a word against either Paul Dameron or Oscar Isaac, like separately, individually, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're no, no. perfect. Lawson Tucker gets nothing in this movie. No. Like, one conversation and cut down, basically. Mm-hmm. But his presence is where a lot of my liking of this film is knowing there's two more films left to tell its story and knowing that there's stuff in here that isn't fully explained yet and stuff that is implied <clears throat> and working with the tropes of Star Wars to piece together more information than we're directly given. Like, yeah, I think he knows who the big bad is. Or oh, not the big bad, but yeah. He knows who the big bad is. He knew him before he put on the mask. He's also a good friend of Leia's. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's why he's helping the Resistance. He's also a good friend of Luke's. Yes, Because he is. he's got the map. So this is the first of many interesting coincidences happening on Jakku, where Rey has been abandoned. Yeah. So there's an old mystic figure, very, very close to the last surviving Jedi, who's not living with the young, force-sensitive Rey, but close enough to keep an eye on her, close yeah. enough to watch over her as she grows up. That mm. feels very much like the Ben Kenobi role in the first Star Wars. And it's never explicitly said that she, uh, she's being watched over by Tekka. Well, no, we don't even meet her at this point, do we? Yeah, don't no. even know about her. But it's, it comes up to the, the biggest criticism I hear against Star Wars and uh, Episode 7 most often is, oh, you know, Rey is a Mary Sue or is a character trope of skill on demand of plot. You know, the, there's no explanation for her being as good as she is. And I, I, yeah. I will fight that at every step. Mm. Me too. Um, because there's a lot we don't know about her background. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I've, and I've even the stuff we do know about her background suggests that 
Okay, you've got a young girl abandoned here when she was very, very small. This is not an easy place to live. No. Um, and we can see it's very competitive with scavengers stealing from each other for scraps of food. And she's survived. So immediately we know she's tough, she's tenacious, she can fight, she can strategize. Um, she's got tech savvy, she knows what stuff to bring. And she's being, well, in my mind, it's implied, watched over by someone who is very aware of what the Force is and a very close friend of the Jedi Master of the galaxy at this point. Yeah. Mm. I don't think that's a coincidence. Just as yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence the Millennium Falcon is just kicking it on that planet either and is yeah. detected by its original owner the moment it leaves orbit. Mm-hmm. So I don't think any of this stuff is coincidence. So in other words, it is exactly like A New Hope in that sense of it's someone who has been not necessarily well, about, you could say abandoned or, or left in safekeeping on yes. a desert world being watched over from afar so like in a very subtle way so that they don't outright say it by a hooded uh, force knowledgeable character yes and J.J. Abrams has been very very direct in saying that the, the skeleton of the force awakens shares the bones of a new hope and the, muscle, like, and the musculature and the skin. And well, the that's head. the thing. Possibly some of the musculature, but no, 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 no more than that, because it is new characters. It's a new, it's a new start to a new trilogy with new characters in a new setting. There are obviously very recognizable um, conceits here, and I think that is a way to give you a lot of information incredibly quickly. And but to also, say that in Star Wars, there's a giant planet-killing base and it gets destroyed by the end of the film... Yeah, and <laughs> well, and, and also, I, I think there there are set, there are conceits in that film that make Star Wars Star Wars. I mean, it's uh, there are certain pillars, and uh, I, I, I do accept what people say that you know because I know some people obviously feel that there's a that there's a lot to do with New Hope in there, and like, there is, yeah, yeah very but, consciously and very deliberately. Yes, but it is. It seems that way. Um, and there's, there's bits and pieces from other films as well. Like, for example, there's, there is a gangplank with the, with the father-son confrontation and some mm. of like, plummeting yep. over the edge. It's not the same people in the same roles, but there is, you know, that, there's, there's certain... Uh, I'll, say, I'll, say, I'll, be, I'll, be, uh, I'll be generous. I'll say homages to uh, scenes from the earlier films. Yeah. But, um, but almost always inverted. Yeah. Hmm. This is, is one of the things I love about this film. Yeah. Is, um, that scene, for example, the well, father and the son yes. <laughs> on, on the walkway over the bottomless chasm, and the roles are reversed. You know, the son says, you are not my father, in, in, as the Sith to the non-Sith, hmm. in an uh, inversion of, I am your father. The, the, even that opening shot we discussed, you know, the Star Destroyer is coming from the bottom left, not the top right. It's a small thing, but it's an inversion. Uh, you've got in New Hope some good guys pretended to be stormtroopers to escape imperial custody. In this, you've and got a stormtrooper pretends to be a good guy to escape imperial custody. Yeah, like so many of the tropes are just flipped on their head in in ways that are familiar and slightly different. Mm. To go back to the um, the uh, the the conversation between Poe and um, uh, Norsan Tucker. Yes, Um First of all, I fucking love that actor. 
He's great. Um, Which one, Maximum Sider or Oscar? Maximum Sider. Yes. Um, Ming the fucking merciless. The 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 knight who played chess with death. Yes. Yes. I'll let you go to Flash Gordon. I go to fucking Seven We're very different people. But that the conversation because we're not we're not going to go through this scene by scene. No. But obviously, the battle erupts uh, as the the first order arrive and and lay waste to this village. And they're again intimidating as fuck. I mean, over the <laughs> over the rise and dropping yeah. and running out and, and total fear tactics. Like, and we have, I mean, you know, like stormtroopers. Exactly. And let's let's give the first. Uh, tip of the hat to uh, the design of this film because my god they're so fucking cool and the f- the flame trooper for example yeah, he loves oh his job he god. loves his job he does love his job doesn't he um fun so a moment guy. to spot the stormtroopers are all now right-handed where they all used to be left-handed really really yeah, the guns that they were used to, to modify to make the carbine for the original stormtrooper ejected brass uh, on the left side and they were using blank rounds, um, so it was ejecting casings. Oh, so yeah, they all had right, to yeah. go left-handed. And oh, man. now they're props, so now they're all right-handed. Uh, which I guess makes, uh, I suppose, Stormtroopers by four weren't clones, but... Yeah. But we're not going there. Yeah, yeah. um, no, that's just a filmmaking bit of trivia. It had nothing to do with the in-universe reason. It was just oh, that gosh. the guns yeah, fired yeah. blanks to the left, so they all yeah. had to go left-handed. <laughs> it's really cool. Um... But you get a really, again, really strong imagery as well when um, uh, a certain stormtrooper's comrade in arms falls down, uh, his uh, stormtrooper's glove blasts away, revealing an incredibly wounded, bleeding hand. Human hand. And, and, it's, uh, human hand, yeah. and he just he goes to reach for his hand, and his, his grasp just misses, and he slides three bloody fingertips kind of lines yep. down this stormtrooper. for a Star Wars film, that's a lot of blood. A oh, lot yeah. of blood in this film, my God. Um, and a genius way of us then being able to focus on this one stormtrooper amidst the, the mass. And the heavy breathing, which admittedly will carry on for the next hour and a half. My God, that guy <laughs> plays panic to perfection. <laughs> and I will go into... Th- no, 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 seriously. John Boyega, my God. So, so, um, you know, endearing. This is, uh, this just, is again, this is probably... Uh, uh, as far as I can tell at the moment, the last thing which I like about Star Wars Force Awakens, so that is John Boyega. Uh, yeah. There will be uh, probably other things that will crop up just, uh, the top, uh, uh, just off the top of my head. I think this is the last thing where I'm just like, yeah, John Boyega. Like, the best. <laughs> I will shit all over Star Wars Force Awakens, but I want to party with John Boyega. That man is an <laughs> absolute fucking treasure. He is, he's great. But the, uh, and, and I will go back to the perfect moment of panic. Because there is a perfect moment of panic in this film, and I adore it. It is the funniest moment in this film, in my opinion. But we'll go back there. Yeah. Um, so we, we, are, we are then introduced to another character. And he, what, he is one of the stormtroopers that onlooks the conversation as Kylo Ren enters the fray. Um, uh, it is fucking badass Revenite mask. Uh, and you know, um, that, that initial shot of him coming down the thing yeah. was... Again, intimidating, mm-hmm. terrifying, classy villain. I wish it had lasted longer than it did. And for we me, have... it did. I adore yeah. Kylo Ren as a character. So do I. So I do I. I love him. Such a failure. No, he's great, and I. Oh, I can't ex- wait to explain why. <gasps> but um, <laughs> um, uh, I said he 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 appears, and this is the first light motif we have of the movie because. 
obviously the music is once again scored by John Williams. Mm -hmm. And we have the first of the new character kind of, actually probably you could probably hear Finn's first actually, but Kylo Ren's own music. Um, as he walks down the, the, the platform and then he just looks um, uh, Lord Santeca in the eye and says, look how old you've become. And I love that he underplays every word that he says. I love how cold and just almost uh, uh, light Kylo Ren's I, voice is. I, I, picked it up, I picked it up the second time around because the first time I watched the film, he looked at, at Maxwell Sydow and said, Sorry, you like this shit. Because I couldn't figure out a fucking word that got Oh, no, you're kidding. Round. You're kidding me. The second round, I got everything, every single line he had. But the first round, I was really struggling. I blame that on the speakers. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> uh, no, I think, I, I think you can hear everybody says, but it, uh, that conversation that they have, I love because it, uh, it's like Simon says, there's a lot. Even with um, when you watched um, New Hope for the first time, there's, there's so much that you sort of are expected to just fall in line with, which is what I love. You're just dropped in this universe. And they're having this conversation as, uh, uh, as, as if they were once old friends, um, old, old acquaintances. Uh, acquaintances, <laughs> and um, he's saying, "Look how old you've become." And Lord Santeca says, uh, "You've become something far worse." Um, and they have that really, really cool conversation mm. where Lord Santeca, bless him, I wish him, I wish that we could see more of him. But that scene alone, because he's so brave, just standing next to him and and just you know just saying no. You're not, you're not. I'm not going to tell you anything. Well, he'll always be a child to Lawson Tucker. You know, it's that thing of yeah. you've known this person since they were a very small child, probably since they were born. Uh, they will always be a child to you. Yeah, and um, and he obviously says about like how he knows where he comes from, and I love, by the way, how he says Kylo Ren. He says Kylo Ren in a really cool way because he's got a really cool accent. Um, but anyway. Um, and he says, uh, I, know, I know where you come from. He says, uh, about your family. And then Kyron says, you know, you're so right. And fucking murders him. And then Poe takes a shot and we get the first really cool display of the force. Which is actually, yes, yeah, super cool. The, the, the bolt hanging in midair. Oh my goodness me. And he just turns in a flash. And, boom, and the, not only is the bolt stopped, but everything in its path. So Poe is also frozen to the spot, almost like this is almost like Kylo Ren's trademark force power, whereas Vader's was the choke. Yeah. Um, and the Emperor had lightning. Ky and, yeah. yeah. Kylo Ren has, he's going to just hold you in place. You're just going to have to stand there and watch him walk up to you. Um, and, <laughs> and bless Poe Dameron, because it's such, it, it's such a great shot. It's a flat shot of just Poe Dameron standing there and then a bunch of stormtroopers just running up to him and then kicking the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> like, they just go bam and knee him in the, in the chest and in the stomach and he falls to the ground and they drag him up to him and he, he quips at him, doesn't he? Um, oh, so who talks first? Do you, do, you, do you talk first? Do I talk first? Yeah. Um, so... First of all, and, and we're going to obviously not talk about all the fucking film. Because we are talking, talking through the movie slower than the movie does it That's at the moment. True. So, so we will, but all I'm saying is, is that this is a great introduction to our characters. Oh, yeah. Really strong introduction to our characters. But we'll move on. Um, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about Ray some more then. My favorite leitmotif in the movie is Ray's theme. Beautiful. Beautiful music. But it's, yes. 
it's what I was saying earlier. It's how much is established about her character just from implicit information. Mm. When we see her, you know, digging through the guts of the crash star destroyer, when we see her in in the wasteland, in the middle of this desert, surviving, it tells you so much so quickly that for a little girl to survive in a landscape like this, to grow up into a woman in a landscape like this, this is one of the strongest characters in the Star Wars franchise right here. This is sort of Leia Organa Solo level tough yep, going on right here. By fire. I will not argue with that. And <laughs> it's a beautiful shot for me in that whole sequence of her on Jakku being the scavenger is when she's gotten her food and she's gone back to her at-at home, Aww. which is awesome. Uh, mixes up her food and then sits outside to eat it and she just pops on the rebel pilot's helmet. Yeah. Because, I mean, she's clearly not had a lot of socialization <laughs> at this point. You know, she doesn't have a good, strong friend group around her. Yeah, and she chews her mouth open and she doesn't really care. <laughs> and it's that hint that she is still very much a child. You know, she's grown yeah. up, but she hasn't been educated. So there's still a very naive, young part of her that is still very much alive. And I thought that was just such a beautiful shot for our protagonist. Hmm. It is. Um, and great introduction as well. It, and it, and even, even down to her costume, it shows how resourceful she is. Her goggles are stormtrooper lenses from the helmet. Like, she's just yep. spent her entire life just having to be resourceful. And... It just, she didn't say a word, and you know so much about her already. Like, um, again, just really strong introduction to a character. Yeah, um, show don't tell. I mean, yeah. <laughs> we're told nothing and shown everything about her for mm. a good long while. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, she has, she has some really great interaction with, with people that she does know on Jakku, like Tito. <laughs> Like, I love the venom in her voice when she talks about Tito. Like, <laughs> like, doesn't, like what the fuck did Tito do? <laughs> like, he must be dreadful. Like, it's he cares like, nothing about himself. No, he cares only about himself, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. It's like, oh my god. It's, it's like um, when she and Finn first meet, and Finn is running over to help because <gasps> this is deep down inside he's quite a good guy, <laughs> and she just beats the shit out of her attackers long before he gets there. And he just sort of stops, yeah, he stops hey, and oh. goes, oh, okay. And then she turns around and looks at him and he goes, oh, <laughs> as she begins to sprint at him and he freaks the fuck out. That, for me, was probably one of the funniest bits of the film. Just, just his reaction is it beautiful. And he tries to run. He tries to run away. And, and the point that all of these characters have arcs as well in this film, which I love. People that say that this doesn't work as a standalone film are right in a lot of respects, but not in the case of uh, the uh, the characters. I think they all have a, a very good arc. So Raze is is learning that she uh, she can't wait any longer. She has to look for her family. She has to look for her destiny. Or move on, and move on. Finn to stop running, to stop to stop being afraid to to you know to um you know uh, to 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 realize there's something more important. Um, the other arcs we'll go over later, I'm sure, because uh, yeah, because we'll talk about them more later, I'm sure. And it's another point of criticism that Ray gets is the whole "don't hold my hand." Yeah. Uh, and again, the thing is, we've seen what her life on Jakku is like. Imagine as as a girl growing up, what it meant when a guy grabbed her hand and yanked her in a direction. Mm, yeah, 
Well, also, also the fact I think uh, uh, that I completely agree with, but also yeah. <laughs> she's faster <Yeah. laughs> than Finn. So, well, we, well, there is that, but her her anger in it is, yeah, is no, of course. You know, it, it's very obvious where that comes from if you think about it for a moment. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. And but we as an audience look at it and go, we know why he's holding her hand, and it's, it's not to like look after her. No, no, he needs someone to hold his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so that's I mean, why he's saying, like, yeah. when he's leading Poe to the yeah, ship, he's like, yes. calm down, you know, remain calm, remain calm. So I am calm. Just talking to myself. Talking to myself. And yeah, Zoe was pointing out uh, in terms of invalid criticism against the characters, there is a lot of invalid criticism against Ray coming from her being a girl, but there's, oh, there's so much worse invalid criticism against Finn as a black guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the thing is, like... <laughs> We're just not like, even going to consider that. Like, I, I, have, I have criticism of this film, but I, it's weird. I cannot criticize... I have... I really like Jean Boyega, and I really like, like, seeing Finn and all sorts of and doing his roles. I have absolutely no... Um, what's it called? I, have, I, I believe I've mentioned both these to you. I have certain criticisms about his arc. And about moments in his arc. Oh, okay. But they will probably be answered in later films. But at the same time, I fucking love the character of Rey. I think she's fantastic. She's great. She's outstanding. I I really, really like her. No, go on. on. My gripe is... Okay. And it's a weird thing is that my gripe is that I really don't rate Daisy Ridley as an actor. I think she was terrible. But I find the character incredibly interesting and I want to see more. And it's, it's this weird... Because I have the same problem with Kylo Ren. I think the characters, there's a lot to be done there. There's a lot of interesting stuff to look into, to dig up, to, to formulate and see what happens in the next couple of films. I just find the actor completely banal. Oh, I, I disagree. I think, I think Adam Driver is friggin' wonderful. I'm, I'm sure he is, but as um, Kyler Ren, I, he just gave me the snores. I will <sighs> say, right, Daisy Ridley's performance as Ray was not flawless. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll grant you that. But I really enjoyed it. And you have to remember that we're talking about someone who started in 2013 in a yep. short film, did an episode of Casualty, uh, did an episode of Silent Witness. Oh, no, possibly two, actually. Yeah. And then did, like, The Force Awakens. But you know what? Absolutely. But if you're going to be the main character in, like, the biggest, the biggest box office success film of... Well, was it all, all time now? Uh, almost. Yes. You bring your A game. Yeah. And she did. I thought she was... I wouldn't have looked at that and said that's her first major feature film. No. I, I think she did phenomenally well. And part of it is the character. The character has to loosen up, and part of it is the actress has to find comfort in working in what must be a fairly intimidating work environment. I'm sure it, it must is, be. Yeah. And also... Um, if we are looking at this uh, for the perspective that, that I think I understand it, the way that I would treat it yeah. is that you're playing the eponymous hero. You know, Mark Hamill said about Luke Skywalker that, you know, it, it's difficult in the sense because I think it's easier if, if you tell an actor to play Han Solo. Mm-hmm. You've got like you've got you know you've got cocky, arrogant kind of suave kind of behaviour. We're going to get onto Han Solo. You're so playing you the rogue, yeah, yeah. But with, act up the rogue. But when you're the when you're the hero of the hero story, because Ray definitely is the hero yep. of the, this yes. hero story. Um, uh, she ha- you have less to grab onto because Absolutely. you're the one you're the one learning. You're the one asking the questions. You're not the one delivering. You're sort of John the Boyega has yeah. you're the stormtrooper discovering humanity. There's there's something yeah. you can definitely do there. Yes. You know, and 
as we say, you know, Poe is, you're the cocky pilot. You're yes. the, the cocksure ace pilot. Go with Top Gun. Yeah. And <laughs> then Daisy Ridley is told, you are one of the most important people in the galaxy who thinks she's not important and just survives scavenging. Go with that archetype. And it's like, that's not an archetype. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A, what do I do? So that, that's, that, that's exactly what I mean. Now, um, but to, to talk about Kylo Ren for a bit, was it, was, was it, oh no! Sorry, go on. Yeah. No, 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 go on. I'm sorry. Just, I completely fumbled over my own tongue. Then, <laughs> basically, what I was trying to say is, like, in terms of those four characters, so yes. um, okay. Finn, Poe, Ray, Kylo. Okay, I want to know more about Ray and Kylo Ren, but I find the actors' portrayals of them really grating. I think we've essentially seen all there is to see in terms of those arcs for Finn and Poe. Potentially, but I find the actors' portrayals really good, so I like equally want to see more of them. So it's just it's a really oh I don't know. Finn was raised a stormtrooper. There's still a lot of discovering who he is as a person to go. We know that this was like his first. Uh, this was his first engagement, I believe, wasn't it? His first combat mission. His first combat mission was, was yeah. Jakku, yeah. So he's he's a young stormtrooper. I mean, John Boyega's yeah. a young guy as well. He's like what twenty three, born in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, but he doesn't know what it's like to be a person. <laughs> yes, exactly. Who can think for himself, have friends. And go where he wants. You know, exactly. this is, I, I'd say that arc was done well within the concept of this movie, but has a long way to go by the end of the trilogy. Sure. Um, I'm trying to think, like, maybe it's like a, a past, like, if you, if you were to look at those four characters and say, right, which two do we definitely need to know more about their past? Oh, yeah, well, Ren and Ray. It's going to be Ren and Ray, exactly. And it's just like, mm, and, we, you know, so this, this is the problem is like, uh, I, I hope that the actors will become more comfortable in the roles. We'll, we'll do, and I'm sure they will, because you've got another two big movies to come. You see, I, 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 I disagree with you here. Okay. And, and this hey, is talking about... Remember, no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 I am. No, no, no. Because I, 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 I respect what you mean. And I, uh, and I think in terms of plot, I think you're right. I think that they're... Because we, we hear of all sorts about uh, floating around with Kylo Ren and stuff, but never, not, not a lot with, uh, with hard facts. Um... It's all very much insinuated, which I, I guess is kind of what we had with Vader in the sense that we didn't really get who this guy was. This, he was a scary this fucking scary guy walking Shoots around people fucking people up. Yeah. But um so but the thing is because because Kylo Ren because I, I feel you learn a lot from him from his performance. I, I this is where I disagree with you. I, I think he he re- is a really good performer. I think he yes. acts incredibly well in this film. And I'm I'm with Rob on this. I he, I, he, I think he, that subjectively you're not enjoying Adam Driver's performance. But yes. for me, right, I will agree. Daisy Ridley is is coming into her own throughout the film, and I'm I'm hoping great things from her down the line. Yeah. Um, but I do agree there were some problems with her performance. Adam Driver, I think, blew this out of the water. And this is, again, I need to put out there is, like, it is an entirely subjective thing. A lot of this is entirely opinion-based. These are our own opinions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Underline highlight. Um, And I also, like, whenever I I criticise an actor's performance, I always feel really shitty about it. I I need to, like, add on to the end of it, like, but I don't, I don't, like, wish them harm or anything. Like, like, (laughs) I don't wish them harm. I I, I can say I don't think they did a very good job. Like, I, I don't think they did a very good job in this. Okay. But they're going to be playing them in two more movies. I don't know if they're going to do better, worse, whatever in the next film. I hope. 
they impress me in the next couple of films. The thing I, I, I want to be, I want to like, like I don't, I don't go into Force Awakens and go right. I was hoping for the well. I was expecting the worst with this, so I hope it sucks. That's not that's not the mindset I had when I went into this film. I went in with a very open mind, came out disliking it. That's okay. I'm not going to go into episode eight and go episode seven sucked. Therefore, this is going to suck. Like I'm going to keep an open mind. It, I might dislike that one as well. I'm hoping I enjoy it. I don't spend money at the cinema hoping to hate the film I'm going to go and see. Like I'm not the original Star in. Wars, I think the change in director might actually be a big deal for this one as well because yeah. I, I think Ryan Johnson uh, I'm really looking forward to Ryan Johnson directing Kylo yeah. Ren as a character. I think that could go in some very interesting places. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Admittedly, it could also be a, a very large amount of like vestigial hate for Abrams. Uh, yeah, we 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 will go we will go there later though. But um, the the point I'm trying to make with Kylo Ren is that he he is very much a guy who is basically he's doing he's trying so hard to be Vader. And that, that, at first, I thought this was going to be oh no, okay, is he just going to be a carbon copy? But no, they've made it the point. The whole point is. He isn't Vader, and he hates it. Like, he's trying to strip all of the personality from himself. He doesn't want to be Ben Solo. He doesn't want it. Yeah. Uh, it's like an infection for him. And the, the, whole, the whole thing with Vader saying, uh, from, from Return of the Jedi, saying, um, uh, that name no longer has any meaning for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's that. It's him trying to wrench that from him he says it to Han Solo he says um uh he says he says your son is dead um he was weak and foolish like his father and I destroyed him like that's him yeah he he oh my goodness me but he doesn't fully believe it no that's my favorite thing about Kylo Ren he's so flawed he's a shit like and I don't mean this like this is such a weird way to say it but he is a shit villain in the sense that He's really trying to be a villain, but he just can't fucking do. He just can't get it to hundred percent villainy. And that's even that's, after spoiler, you know, sabering someone. I mean, the thing is, as well, that uh, I mean, and I, 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 I don't want this to sound like the excuse that we're that we're, that that it, it has been used uh, that could it could be used for is that oh it, that will it be expanded in in a, in the next films in the next set of films. Um, of course it will. They have the luxury of knowing that there aren't going to be sequels unlike the original Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Ky- Kylo Ren is the... And it's, again, what Simon was saying about the, 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 the inverse effect that this film is having. Yes. The fact that Kylo Ren, although Rey is the hero of this film, Kylo Ren is the Luke Skywalker of this film, but going in completely the opposite direction. He's- Luke spends all of the trilogy trying to fend off the dark side. Kylo Ren is going to spend this whole trilogy fending off the light. Yeah. I mean, um, I, would be, I would be surprised, actually, if Kylo Ren was the villain of the trilogy. Yeah. I, genuinely. Um, I would not be entirely surprised if Rey fell. Uh, I'm not saying she would be the villain, but I think this trilogy is going to deal a lot more with the area in the middle. Yes. Rey. Um, I mean, we've already seen Ray using her anger in in battle and whatnot. She's yes, she's uh, an angry girl, much like Luke did. In fact, no yes. one has told her not to embrace the dark side. Exactly, she's <laughs> never had training to resist it, and she does draw upon it in a fight. 
and very, very naturally. Whereas Ren struggles with the dark side hugely. Punched himself in the in the uh, oh my bowcaster wound. Yes, yes, that was amazing. And yes. you know, this is the bowcaster we saw several times, like send stormtroopers flying into the air from a shot that missed them. Yeah. And he took it full in the gut and shook it off and went looking for a fight, right? Yes. Ren is hardcore he in is. that regard. He but he, he knows what the dark side is. He knows the rules he's supposed to follow. And it is, it's Anakin in reverse more than Luke. It's, he knows how he's supposed to be good at what he's told he is, but he can't find it in himself. There is that call of the light, that temptation, that struggle, and he's desperately trying to be a good Sith. You know, you see him, there's, there's almost these moments where you can see him processing, right, I need to channel my hate. I'm going to throw a tantrum because I need to be angry right now. Hate is my power, it is my fuel, but he, he just doesn't believe it. There's the great scene where he's being told you know, about the, the terrible failure in recovering the droid, recovering the map. And the man comes girl. along hat in hand. It, and he, on the ship. he trashes those consoles. You know, massive overreaction, huge channeling of rage. Let's really channel the dark side. And then when he turns around and goes, anything else? Nothing. No passion there. There's no anger in it. There's no... It's not even a cold fury. It's just a, I feel nothing. Mm. I'm not a Sith. And... And yeah, that gnaws at him. He hates it. I, that was what I loved about Kylo Ren's performance throughout. I saw someone who was desperately trying to be what was expected of him. And what is expected of him is a hateful, angry, sinister person. And he just isn't that. And I, I loved that performance. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just wonderfully, wonderfully flawed. And it was... Um, yeah. <laughs> he, and the thing is, like, you can't help, but in a way, even despite what he does in that film, you can't help but feel a certain level of empathy with the guy. Like, like, man, you're so I fucked can. up. Huh? I can. Well, <laughs> he's a really troubled guy. Yeah. Like, and he's been led astray and to the, oh man, like I heard a really interesting theory about Kylo Ren and I don't know whether I want it to be true or not, or uh, whether it would even work. But the fact that um, he that potentially could be a, a double agent, as it were, uh, or at least originally, there is, uh, to try and to try and dismantle the dark side from within. Yes, uh, uh, the theory that he is going to finish what Vader started when Vader yeah. threw the Emperor down a pit. That's yes. what he started. Yeah. Uh. And I, I love I, 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 that. That kind of intrigues me, and the fact that you know, um, obviously, his whole history with Luke, which I can't wait to find out about. I love that in in that um, the, the Force Vision. Which yeah. oh my god, there was a Force in, in Vision. the Not Force Cave. Uh, in the Not Force Cave, um, you saw uh, the Knights of Ren, who I want to talk about. The Knights of Ren standing amongst the bodies of Jedi uh, in the rain. Just such an amazing image. Nothing needed to be said. It was just there. And it was, oh my goodness. And uh, so powerful. Yeah, I mean, 
No, it's all right. It's completely gone. I completely forgot what I was going to say. Uh, it was. Oh, um, that was. A, it's a really creepy um, reading into it that I've seen, which was, um, and it comes into it from a bit of expanded universe. It must be from that book that you've been reading, Simon. The sort of bridging the gap. Oh, aftermath. Yeah. Okay. Um, Not a good where, book. Where? <laughs> no, it's sorry here. Where they're talking about the fact that, like, it was someone reading into the idea that Snoke, uh, sorry, Snooky. I mean, Snoke. Um, <laughs> has a, if you take the view that he's essentially been grooming. Um, ben Solo. Yeah. Um, then it just uh, makes everything seem a lot more creepy. It makes his acting out and his his tantrums and whatnot take on this sort of very interesting view. And then it apparently there's a line somewhere in sort of canon accepted descriptions or it, it, part of that book or whatever it is that says that Snoke was always watching him. Yeah. Like, That's actually from the, the novelization. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Interesting. And yes, I mean it's. I, so I don't think it's even an implication. I think it's in the movie that Snoke has been grooming him for this role for a long yeah. time. It's, it's, it's never like, specified when, but we know that Snoke has long-term plans. He says he saw the Empire rise and he saw it fall. But it's, it's specifically the line that he was always watching, well, Ben Solo at the time. It's just like, mm. it's, it makes Snoke seem a lot more sinister, a lot creepier. Uh Snoke's in it, like, and this is this is one theory that I would really want to like put down, okay. if I may. Which is a lot of people seem convinced that Snoke is it's Jar 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 Binks <laughs> um, is um, it's clearly wicked. Is Darth Plagueis? He's the, not the the Sith that is mentioned once in Episode Three. Yeah, I would like to say this. You know who I reckon Snoke is. I think he's Snoke. I don't know. Would they give him such a stupid name if it was actually his real name? Maybe he is some other character. I don't know. But the the point is, I I, I really don't like the idea of uh, of them them pulling that. I mean, really, really. Oh, just another Sith Lord waiting in the background. Do you know what I mean? This is what I like. I mean, this is the thing. I I, do, I like the Kylo Ren Snoke. They're not Sith. There's something new. There's something different. There. Yes, um, and. This is part of what I was saying when I was like, I'm not convinced he'll be the villain, I'm not convinced Ray will be the, the good guy, mm. is she's not a Jedi, they're not Seth. They are Force users. It's, it's gone beyond that sort of clean-cut, yeah. good-evil, black-white morality. I mean, which admittedly it was by sort of Return of the Jedi time. When you had Luke quite happily wanting to, you know, lash out in anger. Not happily, but absolutely. Well, you yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, he was quite ready to lash out in anger at the Emperor. It was literally just Vader putting his sword out that stopped him. Yeah. Huh. Was Vader trying to protect the Emperor, or was he trying to stop Luke? Yeah, I've literally just thought about it. It's, and, uh, yeah, so I was such a fucking great... I love, I love the Jedi's ending. Jedi's a good film. Jedi, the ending of Return of the Jedi is wonderful. Yeah. It's my... Yeah. But anyway, we're not Jedi, about, a good Star Wars film. They're, they're all fucking great, did you just say they're all great? Uh, the Star Wars films, yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Not the prequel films. Oh, uh, you have to accept it. Because they're not yeah. Star Wars. Um, anyway, uh, where were we? So yeah, we're talking about the dark side. We're talking about the Knights of Ren, all these mysterious elements that are still at play and will get expanded on, hopefully, uh, when we, we go into the, uh, uh, into, the, into the horizon of the new stuff. But we still have some old... Uh, familiar faces in this film. You say familiar faces, they've kind of fallen apart a little bit. Now, come on, let's the not Falcon, be... The Falcon's hey, looking hey, at I thought we were that. leaving... Uh, what? Okay, doesn't matter. Okay. 
I was going to say, I, I thought you were going to say something mean about one of the older uh, veterans of Star Wars returning. Yeah. Yeah. So you said you were going to leave insults out? Yeah, I am. Let's talk about the Millennium Falcon. Okay, talk about Harrison Ford looking older. He's, <laughs> he's older than he was in Return of the Jedi. He's going to look older than he was in that film. Yeah, okay. That's, no, that's, that's, that's not that's a criticism. That's, no, 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 no. I thought you were No, no. By, by all means, that is my, that's my fault for... for, for um, you know, jumping the gun. Um, but yeah, Han Solo's back. Dickhead. Isn't he great? Fucking hate Han Solo, always have you, You've never liked Han Solo, <laughs> so I, I, you know, that's, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think Harrison Ford did exceptionally well in this film. I think um, he did fine. I think he played Han Solo. And, yes, you know, that's a role Solo. he's well suited to. Uh, I don't think he brought anything incredibly special to the role. He, he did um, exactly as much as he was needed to do. I, yeah. but nothing more, nothing but less. But for Harrison Ford to actually play Han Solo, to play anyone, I'm sure that I'm sure that has really that really hits a chord with people that like Han Solo. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no, but all right. Put it yeah. this way, then. Like we've watched Han Solo in in films lately, and really, he let's face it, like. There's, he, he doesn't seem to. He didn't seem to really enjoy what he was doing for a long time. I I liked I liked Han Solo in this film probably more than I did in his other you know and then his other appearances. Okay, because he was nowhere near as fucking skeevy and creepy as he was in the original trilogy. Right? He was actually he was actually quite respectful and nice around Leia. He wasn't in any way. Creepy pervy around her, like he was in the first in, in Empire and New Hope, definitely. Um, and I think that was a bit that was a bit nicer. Like I was looking at Han Solo, going, "Okay, I can actually buy you as a hero?" Question mark. He's never been perfect. He's never been a hero. Um, my problem with Harrison Ford in this movie is that he got saddled with a lot of the Abramsing of this film. Uh, there's there's a whole scene. A whole sequence I would leave out of this film because it's not Star Wars, it's Abrams. And it's planting his stamp very firmly on the film. And I was sitting watching it going, this isn't really Star Wars-y. And it's one of his first scenes. The bit where um, the Falcon is picked up by his freighter and the gangs come on and square off and then the aliens get loose and there's monsters running around the corridors. It, It just felt... It adds nothing to the plot at all. It tells us nothing about the characters. It's Abrams doing big, gribbly monsters chasing people because he loves doing that. He really likes doing that. And, and that whole sequence, barring a couple of good gags between Han and Chewie, who, right, Chewbacca has way more character in this than he's ever shown before, and I adore him for it. Yes. There we go, there we go. There's another, there's another part of this film I actually fucking adore, and that is Chewie. They're Chewie. certainly mounting up those things you adore about yeah, this film. absolutely. <laughs> this, is, this is why it got knocked down on my worst films of the year, okay. like number five. Okay. Right? Chewie that, is awesome in this film, and was the one amazing. moment in this film that I felt emotion. I felt an emotional attachment to one character in one moment, and it was, in fact, in this scene where Chewie gets shot in the arm. But I I I um I agree about the the raptor scene or whatever. Uh, raptor, that's it. Uh, scene. Uh, it, that whole thing kind of detracts a little bit from Solo when they say, "How did you get them on board?" He said, "They used to have a bigger crew." And I'm like, "Are we supposed to believe that Han Solo would completely happily sacrifice human life for a job?" 
I mean, when we first met him, he was escaping a debt, one smuggling really, really bad drugs. I mean, yeah. the guy is not a good New guy. Def- New Hope, definitely. But by the end of Jedi, that Han Solo? Yeah, but he went back to doing what yeah, he did. Well. Like, he's had 30 on. years of misery. Yeah, he's like, not a great his, time. He's not a great time. kind of fell apart, and his son went to the dark side. I mean, that's going to wear on a guy, you know? To the point of, like, essentially feeding people to a horrible monster. Yeah. I think, <laughs> but like I, I said, I think, that whole sequence, it gives us nothing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. The whole I, thing I, I, could I'm going to agree with that as well. I, I think that, I, I agree with that. But it shows that Chewie is very brave. It shows Chewie is exceptionally brave. And it you also shows that brave. Han has a real fondness for the bowcaster. Yeah, which <laughs> never came up before. Like, he's, he's always like, had it, like, Yeah, yeah, he's always had it. It's not a surprise, man. Um, no, but I think the focus on the bowcaster was setting up how powerful it is so that we yes. all understood when Ren yes. gets shot with it, just what it means to go, Oi, stop that. Now I'm going to go and have a fight. Exactly, and it, it evened the playing field a bit. Um, but, um, yeah, so I was talking about the arcs earlier. So, so Kylo Ren borrows the strength, as it were, to do what he feels needs to be done. Um, by him, uh, but to defeat the enemies. Yes. Yeah. To, to 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 you know to to do that, which we will talk about in a bit. But also, Han Solo's arc is complete in in this in this film, which I I really enjoy. No, no, no. His, his, his arc downwards, down, down, <laughs> down. Not at all. Not at all. No, no, in no. a way, he was. Yeah. But then he sees. I meant literally. I I know. I know. I know. It still, still it hurts me. It hurts me. I he know. has a beat for beat tragic story arc in that he rediscovers his relationship, his son, his ship. He gets on track with possibly turning his life around and then loses it all. You know, it is it's a classic tragedy. To the point you could pinpoint the exact moment. And in fact, it was shit. it was indeed his empathy. Because Han Solo was never really, you know, like we said, he didn't really give a shit about anyone. To begin. But then he he actually took responsibility and he, he, he loves someone dearly enough to step on that bridge. It was kind of his whole bit in, in both New Hope and Empire and Jedi actually thinking about it was alright, my job's done, I'm gonna go. Five minutes later, okay guys, I'm back. You suck and be back here. Like, <laughs> and literally no one called you back here. Like, but all the, every time he was needed. Every yeah, time exactly. he was like, needed. Man, you've been gone like five minutes. Even if it was needed for Kylo Ren in the end. Um... Uh, but yeah, that, so so I, I felt that that was that was great, and I I think that uh, to see uh, ha- to Harrison Ford actually enjoying himself was he? I think he was. Oh, okay, clearly, I think. Oh, so. I didn't get that. But and again. and he was and like you watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. For no, instance. no, this is, no, I will not. I'm afraid. No, this is you can't only, make me. This is the only. I'm afraid. This is the only the example I can have because it's Harrison Ford returning to a character, uh, a character that we all love. That you know, it's everyone is super uh, familiar until with. Until Fugitive every. Two comes out, it's all we've got. Right. Okay. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, you know, it is. He is playing Han Solo, and he has all of his little quirks. He holds his gun loosey goosey, you know. Um, uh, he, he point acts as well. Harrison Ford hasn't point act yeah. acted for a long time, but he's all, you know, and I can't do this because it's a podcast, but he's like, no, you listen to me. Like, you listen here. Like, index finger yeah, out. Index finger is up. <laughs> like, I am a dad. I am exactly. a dad. <laughs> exactly. And even when he wasn't, he still had the dad finger. Like, you listen exactly. to me. Now. You listen to me. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I guess. Um, yeah, I was really appreciative of, of the way he did it. And also, let's talk about Carrie Fisher. 
okay, I'm happy with that. Carrie Fisher's fucking awesome. I want to be Carrie Fisher when I grow up. Um, you do? I fucking love Carrie Fisher. I think she's amazing. She is fucking boss. She's yeah. amazing, isn't she? Right, okay, there you go. Another thing I like about her. There we go. <laughs> um, is that Leia is there and is shown to be like, 10 billion times more fucking competent than Han Solo could ever be. Well, she was more competent than basically everyone, especially exactly. in New Hope. Exactly. Like, in New Hope, she That's fucking was like, no, we need to escape. No, we're going to go into the garden. No, we're going to get out of here. Don't shoot it. It's magnetically sealed. Yeah. Um, as, much, you know. as much as I will, again, shit on New Hope quite a lot. I fucking love Leia and you. Like, okay, we're busting you out. And then she's just like, give me that. Give me the fucking gun. Shoots the hole in the thing. Dives in. is like, Okay, now she's saving them. Leia is an absolute... Fuck- she is my favourite character in she's the entire Star Wars franchise. Also, fun. sensitive. Yeah. And she has to deal with the loss of her adoptive parents, her entire culture, everything she knew and loved. Mm-hmm. She has to deal with, you know, the, her son going to the dark side. She has to deal with way more shit, way more shit than any other character in this franchise. And she remains in. Implacably good. She is. Yeah, she never once feels the draw to the dark side. Um, she's like, she, Luke, what are you she fucking is bitching about? Will yeah, Luke is whining and bitching to her yeah, yeah, <laughs> about, yeah, yeah. about what he's lost. Yeah. And she's there going, Cool. I was there when Moff Tarkin and Darth Vader ordered the destruction of my entire planet, everybody I ever knew and loved, and my family. And, you know, it didn't really affect me, but, except yeah. me, psychologically speaking, in the sense that I totally kissed you, even though I knew right from the beginning that we were brother and sister. But we'll overlook that. But yeah, kid, I guess it's been tough for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, and also, later. I've got this skeezy dude in a fucking vest wandering the halls of the Millennium Falcon, waiting to fucking pounce on me at any given second. God, I really don't like Han Solo. Yeah, but she class. loved him. She loved him. She yeah. did. You can't deny that Leia didn't love Han Solo. Oh, th- th- this is the problem is that I've read I've read many a manga that went along that thing of oh it's okay because she loved him. I didn't him say no, 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 no. that's not what I said. I'm just saying simply that she loved him. Oh, yeah, and I will no. say right, whilst Han's flirting is egregious in the original films, he's actually physically quite respectful of her. There is a scene where he catches her and is holding her, and she gives him a look, and he's just like, okay, yeah. let's her go, and just hands up. I'm not doing anything. I literally just caught you so you didn't fall yeah. over. Oh. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not outright saying that, you know, he's a fucking monster and a fucking predator or anything like that. I'm just saying he's skeezy. Um, yeah, he, he's a scoundrel, isn't he? Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not excusing I'm, his behaviour. No, no, and I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not, and I'm not saying... Like, he's a ruffian and a can. Yeah, that doesn't... He is a scruffy-looking nerve herder. Scruffy-looking scruffy nerve, nerve herder. You know what? That's not a good person to be around in that, in that context. Please, oh man. But he always came back when he was needed. Always yes. came back when he was needed, always shouldered responsibility, even if it wasn't the last Except minute. an empire where he kept trying to leave and couldn't actually leave. <laughs> but actually said, no, Chewie, stop, calm down, you need to look after these people because I'm going to oh, die. No, I'm in on hot right at the beginning. Oh, he right, tries okay. to leave. Yeah, he tries to leave. Because he's, yeah, he's like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> no, I'm being dragged into this. So admittedly, he is dragged in then, but um, yeah, uh, in a way, come on. But Leia, it, Leia is just absolutely fucking incredible. Now, uh... The uh, the entire sort of uh, the entire point of this movie is the fact that the first order and oh man we need to talk about the first order for a bit because um, the first order have I, I think a, a really really important difference between 
them and the Empire. And that is, the Empire sort of hinted at being a bit Nazi-like. Yeah. <laughs> the First Order have a full-on fucking pantomime rally. I think it's no mistake that in the world that we live in now, where uh, all over the news and headlines, fundamentalism is the enemy now, uh, we have this, her- this, this cult this terrifying organized cult that uh, is led by, um, you know, emphatic, like terrifying leaders uh, on a cause of destruction. You know, I don't think it's a mistake. That they're like what they are, um, but there's some really cool. And I, I will, uh, uh, there's something that some of the things that I read in the book that I actually picked up about the first order um, about another character. We should really discuss uh, Captain General Hux. Phasma. And General Hux. Um, now, the First Order doesn't have as many, you know, it doesn't have as much as the Empire did, you yeah. know. Uh, once the, the, the Galactic Civil War finished, um, the Empire were driven, you know, into the far corners of space and lots of reparations were done upon them. Basically, the Treaty of Versailles happened yeah. to the Empire. Um, yeah, more or less. Uh, yeah, and um, demilitarized, you know. So what they did have, they had to learn to use well. So now TIE fighters have shield generators, so they're not expendable anymore. These are actually, you know, things that actually have a chance of surviving. You know, it's all about survival. It's about... And it's tra- implied a little bit that they might even have hyperdrive now. They, oh. Yeah, oh, I, yeah I, I think... Finn talks about leaving the system, although admittedly, yeah. Finn doesn't know jack shit about well, TIE fighters. Yeah, but Poe doesn't correct him. Poe doesn't say, well, we can't. Mm-hmm. He says, no, we need to go back to Jakku. But does Poe know anything about TIE fighters specifically? He says he's always everything about everything one. that flies. Yeah. Okay, you know what, I'll accept that. Yeah, fair enough. But, he, um, but anyway, the, the First Order, they, they are really fascinating. Uh, and yes, you do have General Hux, who is a fucking awesome character. The, no, come on. The quintessential Imperial officer. The, he makes the Imperials look fucking... He, he, makes, he, makes, he makes Tarkin look fucking subtle. Hey, yeah. you can't peer cushion man. Like you, but you know. <laughs> there's nothing subtle about the Empire. There never has been. There no, shouldn't be. But, but this, the thing is, it makes the Empire look subtle. That's, <laughs> that's how over the top and ridiculous. It, if you can, if you, I can look at the First Order, look at the Empire, and go, "Holy shit, you made the Star Wars Empire look like a believable force of of like political will." Oh, I compared think compared to your like Jesus. Fucking Christ, Disney villain. So, are you saying there haven't been like real people that haven't in, no, 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 like no, 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 no. crazily ranted in front of? I'm not saying thousands no, of no, people. I'm not. No, I'm not absolutely not. <laughs> what I am saying though is, you can look at say the Empire and go, I can totally see that. And yeah, understand okay. that working. That is that is a, a a fascist force that is keeping people in line through military force and all this stuff. But it's it's sort of. I don't know how to put it. Like it's it's again without using the word subtle. I don't want to keep using the word subtle because it's not the exact word I'm looking for. Everything they do, they sort of explain as they do, like the disbanding of the the, the of the the Senate and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And, and it's very quiet and calm. And we're working. This is a business we're running here. We're keeping things oh, under control. Okay. And the first order is the giant, scary, fucking ranting rally. Oh yeah, of well, course. That's it exactly makes perfect it. sense. Because the Empire was, exactly as you say, an organization that insinuated its way into power and then kept it. And keeping power is one thing. Hmm. But the First Order are the, the smashed relics of that. 
the group that know that they belong in power and do not have it, and do not have the superior numbers to simply put down this rebellion. They need to whip up their followers into the fervor of saying, we can fight at one to a hundred odds and reclaim this galaxy. And so you need, shall we say, a villainous, evil, (laughs) single-minded, but incredibly charismatic leader who can make people ignore the odds and ignore their morals and get them to fight this war against the entire galaxy following him. He's the guy that's nutty enough to collect all of his mates in one place and say, now look at all these planets explode. I, I'll agree with every point you made this, Simon, except the word charismatic. I, I don't get charismatic so much as so I get stark, raving, fucking lunatic. And like, you can and not be both. Not, History has shown us you can like, be both. And will <laughs> likely be both. Absolutely, I totally agree with that. But, but, I don't think anyone anyone would look at fucking Hux and go, that's a man I could follow. They, look they at, would they look at after go, the first person looks at him and goes, I couldn't follow that man, and he shoots him and goes, who else is not following? That's true. Now That, that works for Vader, admittedly. Well, the thing is, like, I think it, it sort of makes sense as to why Finn was suddenly just like, oh shit, no, I can't do this, these are the bad guys, despite having no sort of parallels to draw from in his, in his short life, is that I can totally imagine somewhere in the First Order, there is fucking Mitchell and Webb looking around going, oh my god, Because <laughs> even the Stormtroopers must be looking around going, oh shit, I think Hux is a bad guy. Yeah, um, but... Uh, the, the, cartoonish supervillain. This is the cool thing, because the First Order, it has, the, there, are the, there are the three sort of figureheads, the three public figureheads of the First Order, to, to my mind, yeah. anyway. Uh, so, so you have Ren, Hux. you have Hux, and you have Phasma. Phasma um, is, uh, and I love, there's a line between her and Hux. Hux is on about these simulations. He's all about the simulations, is old Hux. Mm. He's like, uh, so we were trying to run more simulations to see how uh, our, our, you know, our, our boys do or whatever. And, uh, and then, yeah, exactly. And Phasma's like, oh, it's like, this should all be tested in the field. Again, it's, it, and admittedly, another character that we didn't really get an awful lot of was, yeah. you know, was Captain Phasma. Oh, Boba Fett Mark II. Boba Fett Mark II. Um, That's actually a lie. I actually com- massively prefer Phasma to Boba Fett. Which- Phasma is outstanding, and there's a reason she wants them tested in the field. Let's face it, Finn. Yes. Finn wasn't uh, tested in the field. Finn had plenty of simulations before his first combat mission, and he fell apart. There's yes. a reason Phasma does not want to rely on simulations. Yep. But again, much like Boba Fett, <laughs> she has a couple of lines. Doesn't really do anything. But I'm sorry, but when Chewie hands Han her fucking cloak, and he just looks down, and then looks at Chewie, and the door's closed, and it's like, oh, what happened? Trash compactor for reals. But I'm just like, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's, it's very reminiscent of Boba Fett. Like, this character's a badass, and everyone, I know all of us, including myself, looking at all the teaser trailers and all the, the promotional shots and stuff of Phasma and going, that character is going to be a badass. Yeah, I said, I, I said, even on this podcast, I literally say, yeah. she's going to kill the shit out of people. I, I, I audibly she, shout I don't think that. she fires her gun once. I don't think she does. But she, she doesn't because she's a leader. Yeah, but we don't see her leading. Oh, we see a lead. She, oh, yeah, she's there at the front line when, when they take the village, and she's the one that says, oh, kill them all. Yeah. We you also know? see an That's example great. of her leadership oh, yeah, when we, she corners Finn in the dropship. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, she just she has a couple of lines, and then gets held at gunpoint and thrown in a trash compactor. It, it is the it is very much the equivalent of has a couple of lines, misses all his shots, and then gets bunched into a fucking sarlacc. Yeah, yeah. in but, this but, movie, but, yes. yes, but she yeah. is the ultimate example of they are writing knowing there's a trilogy coming. Yeah, she exactly, is going. Exactly. She is not going to take Finn speaking to her that lightly, like. She, Finn is gonna is like an affront to everything that she stands for, and he's just running around <laughs> doing what he wants to do, rubbing and it she, in her face, literally. She's, she's, yes, she's gonna show up one day. She's gonna fuck him up. That was one of those things where, like, I I really want. It's again, I want to see more of this, but I can't exactly. say whether she's hungry. I can't say, say whether she's a good character or a bad character. She had like. What, we don't know. 25 yeah. goddamn yeah. screen time. The but moment the she had, right, the not necessarily the scene where she is captured and made to drop the shield, but the scene with her and Finn in that drop ship, it, yeah. it did a lot for her character in a very short amount of time. It did. It's like one line. Well, two, two lines. And who told you you could remove your helmet? She's not. She's not like. She's again not like imp- any imperial or uh, first order people we've seen. She's very personal in the way she talks to people. Yes. She's not condescending in the same sense of like I am a, a esteemed military commander. You are, but insects to me. She's like seven. I'm better than you are. Mm. But again, it's me skin. interpreting and adding to what was in the scene. But just the submit your blaster for inspection. Yeah. Told me I was watching you. You didn't fire. That blaster had better be faulty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, Phasma's that kind of weird bit in between the four characters I mentioned earlier, where it's just like I can't tell anything on the on the acting because she had such such a small amount of screen time. I know she's a fucking fantastic actor anyway, but that's like from previous knowledge. Yeah, um, but like I can't tell anything on the acting because she had such such a small amount of screen time. I can't tell anything about the story because. Well, again, we don't really know anything about her based in just on watching Force Awakens. We don't know anything really about her personality or character um, or story. Um, but there's definitely a story to tell. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, she is this kind of. I mean, I know a lot of people in the sort of, you know, the, the fan and the fan works have sort of set her up as this kind of mother figure. Oh, no. No, oh no, no. no, no, no. No, no, no. This is what I mean. Like, uh, that sort of thing. To um to the stormtroopers, and it is this kind of no no no. And I'm not. I know. I know. I'm not. I know. You're not saying that. Yeah. Um. And it's this kind of. I don't know. Uh. You know, I've completely lost my train of thought. Um. The is it sergeant or like it's a a non-commissioned officer sort of thing. She's not. She's not the top brass. She is essentially just a very very good stormtrooper. That's how she got to where she is. You get the feeling like, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't sort of picked to be an officer. She is, she, oh, she's going to fucking kill you with like, take any given room and there are 300 implements in it that she could kill you with, yeah. including the room itself. Um, and that's a character I think deserves to be, <laughs> be given more screen time, lest she become another Boba Fett. And she will. We know she will. It's been said by the producers. Yeah, and I will point out, as much as I hate Han Solo, Boba Fett would be my least favourite character in Star Wars if he were a character. It's, uh, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm talking just about the films. I, I, know I get what you're saying. No, yeah. but I, I don't, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, he, he doesn't get an awful lot. 
But but the he, thing is about Star Wars he turns is that up, says a few lines, lets Vader do all the work, yeah, gets burst into a hole. Exactly, but yeah. Boba Fett serves his purpose in the Empire Strikes Back in the sense that he is the one who tracks the Millennium Falcon to Bespin. Hmm. He mean, does what the Empire he, does not. He does He's a plot that, device. That is yeah. his job. He and does he do something does right. Yes, he well, does. And you. he does do that. Uh, and he also delivers Han Solo to um, Jabba the Hutt. After Vader delivers Han Solo to him. True. Um, <laughs> Vader does all the labor. Yeah, they had an agreement, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, yeah I, we, I, it's the same with Phasma. They, they do what they do for the plot. Star Wars, it can't be frivolous because it is very driven kind of film. It hits beat for beat for beat for beat. And the energy of this film, no different, really pacey um, and, uh, and great. Um, there's a lot we can talk about. We happen. But um, I think we should talk about the final parts of the film. Okay. And I think we should talk about them next week. I was just about to say, I yes. think we will have probably moved into the next episode. I'm so glad. I was, I was right, okay. Basically, I, I was trying to find a way for us to, to find a break, and I was like, fuck! Um, yeah. So, you have been listening to the first part of this discussion on World 1 Stage 1. I have been and will be Simon. I am Darth Jack. And I am Robert Wren. I would have gone with Kylo Rob. Yeah. Shit! <laughs> Goodbye. I would have gone with Coletta Wren. Coletta Wren, that's way better. Kyletta Wren. Kyletta Wren. That would have worked as well. Yeah. We all have our ideas. I went Robert Wren. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Wren. <laughs> <laughs>